Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. All right. Here we go. So welcome, everybody. This is episode 258 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, uh, long time, I think someone wrote this. I was reading it in one of the things, The Legend of Lacey. So maybe you can speak on that. But my guest today is Tom Lacey. Um, I've known of you or known you for many years just through sports and through refing and um you know, see you out and about a lot more now, and I, I think I was telling you before, I really am enjoying your reporting on basketball, and and um, and obviously knowing some other stuff that you're a part of, including the camp and a few things I've never actually knew that you did, which I'm, we're going to dive into. But um, again, guest today, Tom Lacey. For anybody that does not know you, Tom, give us a little, give us a little rundown, give us a little background on on who you are, how'd you get here? Okay, first of all, who's the one that said Legend of Lacey? Gosh, is that, that a thing? I've never heard that. Is and I'm kind, not is, a legend. No. I, I feel I feel like this is. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say uh, it's not like Murphy's Law. What what is it like? It's almost like a Chuck Norris story. I feel like someone's gonna say, uh, John K. Mac. Oh yeah, yeah. Does oh, that yeah. make sense now? Yep. I'm just re- I'm reading some of your reviews here, and and he said the uh, Legend of Lacey. So <laughs> I don't know if there's more to that, but we'll leave it there. But that's I, that's a segue into the. Uh, <laughs> Johnny, I don't I don't know if you know this, but well, first of all, let me talk about myself. Uh, <laughs> And there's not a lot to talk about. I obviously fell in love with basketball. Um, I had a um, significant um, traumatic experience when I was six years old, which I'm not going to give details about. I was walking home from uh, elementary school back when we could walk home at six years old. And we lived on the um, right next to the rail tracks on Margaret Street, which is right across from that car wash, right next to the tracks. So I know when the trains come. And uh, we used to ride that 11 p.m. train all the time, the freight trains, all my buddies. Just hop it? Just hop on it. <laughs> Except one time uh, it was going too fast and we couldn't get off and we ended up in Westport and we had to call our parents who were not too happy with us, I can tell you that. So <laughs> that was something else. But... <laughs> Um, so, um, that's a little bit, you know, that experience, um, it kind of, it definitely made me aware of actually life in general. Um, and then I turned to basketball and it more or less, um, indirectly saved my life. And also being an altar boy, that indirectly saved my life too. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm the youngest of nine kids, you know, uh, so we were probably the poorest family in Plattsburgh. What was uh so age-wise you were the youngest. What was your next oldest sibling? Uh she is um I hate to give away my age, but she's 66. She's 60, but she's older than you by yes. a couple few years. Yeah. Okay. So sorry, keep going. So so the youngest of nine, yeah. poor upbringing. Very poor, but great parents, so um they just taught us about being honest and caring and giving back to whoever 
not making fun of people, um, and so on. So um, that's more or less how my upbringing was. Uh, great, you know, like I said, great parents. And so, do do you find? I mean, when you said growing up, obviously you were six at the time. I, I have a six year old. My oldest is six. Mm-hmm. So like, they, I look at. I'm trying to attribute, obviously, I think six back then is different than six now. Like you said, you're walking home from school and probably a few yes. years more uh, experience. But um, at six, were, did you find that, was it just kind of getting lost in the shuffle of a lot of kids? Did you find that you were just kind of gravitating towards not, it's, it's tough to say as a six-year-old. Cause you're not, I don't, were you like influenced by friends at that age? Uh, not really. I was or just um... kind of just like, I say I want to use the term loss, but just like you didn't really have something to really pull you towards. Yeah, I was I was a little on the naive side. Um, I, I guess I still am a little naive sometimes. Uh, so I wasn't really lost. Um, after that uh, experience, I was lost. And thank God uh, I found basketball and being an altar boy and my friends. Um, I had some unbelievable... Uh, friends as as we all do uh, anytime you're under 12 they seem to be your best friends forever yeah i'm the same way yeah the closest yep so um i still we still kind of stay in touch obviously some have passed away um unfortunately so um that's more or less so so we end up okay so young child you get into basketball and again, we won't date the ages here, but when you were playing basketball, what was it like back then? Is it just, is there town ball? Is it just school? Is it, is there like some kind of rec league back then? There was, there was, um, at Oak Street School, um, I forget the person's name and, uh, he would, op- he would have open gym. And I remember as a fourth grader, um, playing and we won the championship and, I remember the guy that hit the. Uh, his name was Jeff Carpenter. He hit a game-winning shot. They lifted him under on our shoulders and everything. And I said to myself, "I want to be that person, you know, that hits that game-winning shot." And um, you know, I that's I, I distinctly remember that too. And that's when I, I really fell in love with basketball. I would I would go to Oak Street School outdoor court winter anytime, have gloves on. And it was an eight and a half foot basket there that I would just uh, play forever. Now, did, who'd you play with back then? Was it just buddies, bro- brothers, sisters, anything like that? Neighborhood kids? Like, did you have like a crew that you rolled with normally and played? Uh, kind of, but that for some reason there were a lot of excellent players that would come to that court mm-hmm. even when they were in high school, because it, it uh, playing on eight and a half foot baskets it really helps your shot, um, even. Myself and Joe Cardney, who's arguably the best player ever from our section, in my opinion, um, we would go there, and if it was thunder and lightning, we'd be playing and having fun and, and just uh, enjoying ourselves. And I, both of us attribute playing on those baskets to helping us become pretty good players. So back then, you know, you guys are, you know, playing, and I guess the— and I'm going to dive into a little bit. I still want to, I want to go through kind of the chronological order a little bit to get to now. But um, you know, back then basketball was a little bit different than it is today. Different style of game, different kind of you know players and things like that. Did you find was there anything that like back then that you really tried to focus on that was like, hey, this is what I got to because again, you had a fourth grade. I want to get better at basketball. I want to like really commit to playing this. 
um, you know, that through, let's say, high school into college, like, what were you, like, what were you really, like, what were you focused on as a kid going into basketball? Because, again, I'm kind of attributing this. You have a basketball camp. You have a lot of youth players. You see this now. You see a lot of kids coming through the programs and through, um, and you were obviously, everybody's at that age at some point in time. So what were you at that age focusing on? Because you didn't have what you, the basketball camp you have now. So, you know, you kind of were like left to, like I said, what you could find, Oak Street School, outside type deal. But um, I guess what where was your mindset at from a player standpoint of like, how do I get really good going into obviously varsity being the peak around here? I would say um, you have to you have to work hard um, and you have to do a lot of things on your own. You you have to do drills on your own and you do them game condition as if you're playing against someone. Uh, I remember I would I would play on a full court by myself, and I would um, kind of uh, – one team would be the Lakers, one team were the Knicks, and uh, I would know every player on that team, and ball goes to Walt Frazier who passes to Willis Reed, and, you know, I'll take a shot, and Bill Bradley and all those guys. Um, I, I, that's how I I would play game condition. Everything I did, game condition. So a lot, just like visualization. Yeah. So, um, so when you played, you went to what PHS? Yes. So PHS, uh, back in the seventies here. So the, like you said, the basketball. Like Joe, I know Joe. You know, obviously through uh, real estate, he's, you know, uh, an attorney. I don't remember the. I don't know the players back then, but who who were like standouts in the area that you guys played against? Oh, of course, Joe. I don't know if you know this about him. He was—he became the all-time leading scorer at Union College for 20 years. He was an All-American. Uh, he also um, was a late round when they had a lot of draft picks in, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. He got drafted by the Knicks maybe in the 19th round or something. They had 19 rounds back then. Obviously, he didn't make it, uh, but at least getting drafted— he was also a PBA tournament, which we was big around here. He was MVP of that, and um, oh, just yeah. he was only five eleven. I was gonna say that's Joe right there for sure. Yes, a, y- a younger Joe, but st- still doesn't doesn't uh, definitely looks just like him. Are any of these? None of these are him, right? Uh, no, no. Not. This one that looks like him right there. Um, that one right there. Yeah, yeah, number twelve. I, I remember those three guys too. But th- yeah. those were, were those guys around here? Joe Clinton, Joe Wood. Yes, uh, no, no, they're they're not around here. But it's something that their their backcourts are all named Joe, and um, they they were excellent. They Joe actually played against Princeton, which was Division One, and he scored forty points in that game. So is Union D three? Yeah, they're D three, but because I know hockey's D one, but yeah. The thing yeah, wow. about D3, though, you, you have very fundamentally sound players, good shooters, but they're just not as athletic as Division One Or big size-wise. Yeah, size-wise. That's the only difference. Um, there's nothing wrong with playing Division Three or two. So, know? yeah, and I want to come back. We'll, we'll come back into the college. So you said Joe was probably arguably the best player back in the, yeah. you know, the 70s around here? Yes. Um, there were others. Uh uh, Butch Butchino, the Ryan, Tom Ryan, Mike Ryan, Hal Cohen, who is actually a good friend of mine. Okay, we stay in contact. He's he's a funny guy. He loves, he's a doctor in Florida. He played at Syracuse. He has the uh, the state record for most consecutive free throws. 
He had 598 in a row. Made, I'm assuming. Consecutive uh, made, made yeah, throws? consecutive. Okay. But they, it wasn't in a game. He was just shooting around, and people were counting. So I always wanted to try to break that record, and I actually hit um, 388 in a row. I haven't submitted my name, though, to that. I, don't, I actually don't know how. I look it up, and it'll, it'll say Hal Cohen 598, and then it's a couple guys in the 200. So I would be number two. So I'm going to look into that and get my name in there. So is shooting always your thing? Um, I, or the thing you focused on? I believe, and I'm not bragging or anything, but I believe winning was my thing. Winning, I, okay, I like it. I was so competitive. <laughs> you would not believe how competitive I was. And um, I don't know. I, I, I remember Travis Gorham, a friend of mine, who was my coordinator for, one of my coordinators for Adirondack Coast Basketball Camp. I told him that, I said, Travis, uh, I've never missed a game-winning shot. And I really haven't. I missed a game-winning free throw once because the guys at the foul line on the other team were giving me the choke signal. <laughs> and it took me freeze out. Freezing the kicker? Oh, yeah. So um, I told them that, and I really didn't. I've, I've hit some uh, pretty big shots. I remember playing in a tournament in Albany, and um, we were down three with 11 seconds to go. And I don't talk a lot at all to other players. I, I really don't like that. But for some reason, I went into the other team's huddle, and I said, I'm hitting a three-pointer, and this game's going to overtime. And they said, get out of here, get out of here. So my teammate said, Lace, are you going to hit the three? I said, you get me the ball, and I'm going to hit it. So somehow I got open, and I hit the three, and also got fouled. So it was a four-point play to win it. And uh, I'll never. that's probably the biggest shot I've ever hit in my life. It was kind of lucky because it went off the backboard. Hey, it's it's all right. Yeah. You bank before you shot it? <laughs> no, I didn't. But uh, I was so happy that went in. And, and that's it goes back to that fourth grade game when he lifted, because that happened to me. They lifted me up and, you know. Did, did you find that, did you feel like an underdog being the youngest kid? Like, was that something that you had like a chip on your shoulder? Because, you know, you see like these young like you see a lot of times like the younger players, if they have older siblings, they try to hang with them, obviously growing up. I think it's just like a developmental thing. But do you find that you had that? Was there anything that drew like really drove your um you know, competitiveness? I know some some people I know are crazy competitive, and I know other people that are competitive to a extent. Like I'm competitive to an extent, and then I'm like, I don't really care. There's not hmm. many things that and then I mean, I always say the most competitive person I've ever met is my wife because she she's a nut. With <laughs> oh stuff, yeah. But there's like certain people that just have that competitive nature, and yep. it's not that they're trying to overdo something. It's just like it's something like literally in their brain of like I can't lose, I can't be less than so and so. Did you find that you had that switch? I I was never uh, I never had a chip on my shoulder. I really didn't. Um, I think I was quietly competitive. Okay. I wouldn't talk a lot. Um, I would just let my actions do the talking, and um, I really don't know. I, I think possibly that event that happened to me when I was six just helped me through a lot of these things. really did. You know, Indirectly, it also made me a stronger and better person, mm -hmm. and um, I, I never had a chip, though, never. Did, did, you, uh, did you play at all in college? Yes, I did. Um, I... I went to SUNY Morrisville for mm -hmm. two years. I gained a lot of weight, by the way, and I went to the tryouts, and um, 
they had a full court one-on-one drill and um these guys were going by me i mean i just wasn't quick enough to guard them mm-hmm. but the thing you do if on a full court one-on-one drill and when i coach i used to tell my player just sprint back you don't have to stay with them sprint back and meet them there yeah. i wish i would have known that back then so i felt embarrassed um and um i ended up not trying out after that day anymore and i regret that but nothing i can do about it now and then when i went to plattsburgh state i was a um i was a junior mm-hmm. and i wanted to play basketball and they had a jv team and i was on the jv team and my coach was john grotto he's probably my favorite coach ever because okay. well uh ray holmes also was but he's the first person that that showed confidence in me that gave me confidence and i needed that and um I, I loved John as a coach, and I was the leading scorer in the team and didn't get brought up to the varsity. Um, although one year in the alumni game, I was MVP, which uh, maybe – can I take that one back? Because <laughs> my, my buddies will bust on me for that's, that. Hey, that's all right. You've got you to gotta, you gotta own it. I think that's – but yeah. that was – but that was um, – the thing is I think if even if at a – it's kind of like you said, as you get older, you wish you had the knowledge you did as a kid. So a lot yes. of that, I think, is – this is something that I attribute, you know, more so on the – I did coach at a t- uh, for a sp- uh, period of time. I actually did coach basketball for a couple of years. Um, but I think a lot of it is trying to improve those kids the best you can. Like you're trying to – they have the athleticism. You're trying to give up the knowledge. And that's what a coach does a lot of the times. And yes. I try to do it as a parent. I try to do it, you know, whether it's a mentor to younger people. Um do you find that – because it seems like from a mindset, you understand the game very well. So like yes. I said, even if you're like, listen, I probably wasn't the best at A, B, or C physically, the mental side of it, I know you coached, I know you've refed, I know you've done all these things. Like you understand the game. So the idea then is like can you translate it to someone else and kind of you know teach down a level to the next person in line? Um, do you find that that's something that you've really tried to fine-tune over time of like, hey, I really understand the knowledge. Can I improve these kids – who oftentimes have the, like you said, the athleticism, don't have the mental capacity because they just they have to learn it. It's like anything else in life. Without a doubt. Um, in my opinion, I think height is overrated. Okay. It doesn't matter how tall you are, although it helps. There's no doubt. And I don't, I'm not putting down height at all. Um, but um, it comes down to heart, really. And I've never touched a rim in my life. I can't jump at all. And I was never quick. Um but I would outthink my opponents mm-hmm. and use Neil Facet's illegal screens and there Matt Barry's illegal screens and get open. You got to just have big friends. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> and they would get me open. And I attribute a lot of my success to those guys for sending good screens. And I was always in good shape, too. I would just outrun people, mm-hmm. you know, keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> There's ways to beat anyone. And also I developed the fadeaway shot, which is... You don't see a lot of that in our area. Yeah. Um, and um, you can get a fadeaway off at any time. I want to teach that at my camp, uh, teach a fadeaway, um, because it's it's an excellent weapon. Well, I just remember Kobe Bryant. Remember, I mean, how good – now, granted, that was when I – I'm sure if you go back earlier times, there's people that really perfected the fadeaway. But um, anytime you saw Kobe do it, I mean, it was like clockwork. He'd pull you into the corner, he'd back you in, he'd kind of spin away, and then – 
like I said, just fade and flip it over. And I know that's become kind of a that always seemed like a signature Kobe thing was the fadeaway jump shot. Um, but again, it would create so much space for you, mm-hmm. especially at that level. And the guys are so long and so quick, they can close down space. It's like just that little half a second, not even that, a quarter of a second you need just to pop a shot off. Yeah. It, fadeaways tough to block. Um, the two best fadeaways were Kobe and Michael Jordan. Yeah. And that's why they're, in my opinion, uh, Michael is number one, Kobe's two, got to go with Larry Bird at three. Magic at four and Kareem at five. And this is best fadeaways or best players best of all time? Best players ever. So you're, you're, this is a hot take there, Tom. Oh, that's I'm sticking with that. I know there's some LeBron so, people out there. So Michael, Kobe, and then who was number three? Larry? Larry Bird. Uh, and, then, uh, and then Magic, Magic and, then Kareem. and Kareem. And I would have to put LeBron at six. No, it's fine. So... I, Let's dive into that real quick. We'll come back to the other stuff. So okay. from a basketball perspective, if you're looking at those players, what's the criteria that you're looking at? I, again, I said it earlier, uh, heart. Okay. They had so much heart. They hit game-winning shots. Uh, they made their teammates better. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, um, Gina, your wife, that's something that she had. She had all those attributes. Uh, she would make her teammates better. Great attitude. It, it's stuff like that. You know, uh, it's really heart more than anything. And heart goes a long way, as you know. So if you... Yeah, cause I mean, now granted, I'm, I'm going to say the MJ, LeBron, Kobe, more my era of, of when I was following it more. Um, so the thing with Larry, the thing with Magic, the thing with Kareem, and, and again, going through all those guys, you know, Bill Russell, you know, you, you got... They were all before my time, and you hear more of like the 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 uh, kind of like like I said, the legend of them, like the legend of Larry Bird, the legend of you know, and even Michael was. I was young when he was doing everything, mm-hmm. so like he wasn't really my prime. Like you knew of Michael when I was, or you knew of the Bulls, the Pacers back then, the Knicks back then. You know, obviously Detroit back then. These were some bigger teams that, as a kid, I recognized. I didn't recognize the Orlando Magic. I didn't recognize, like, mm-hmm. just as a young guy, like, you, you saw the highlight teams. Um, and I think, if, I think MJ, if you go by statistics, and I've, I've always been a big LeBron guy, but I think LeBron has a lot of the statistics, um, and I, I don't even think you could classify it on championships because then Bill Russell's, like, on a yeah. league of his own. But then I think if you go by, when people start talking about uh, basketball, it's always like, you know, Michael Jordan just comes up because I think he moved the needle so much for basketball, which is why I think beyond his wins, beyond his competitiveness, beyond his like stats, I think you said there's the heart, there's that that's that grit. It's I think that encompasses everything, and I don't think LeBron doesn't have that. I just think that you know Michael was off the charts of yes, it, yeah. and I and I've heard the same with Larry. But I, again, he was before my time. I think you know my my knowledge of Larry Bird is more like in the Pacers organization and you know Space Jam and things like that. You know, I didn't really get the besides highlight reels. You know, I wasn't part of the the Celtic Lakers uh, you know cross country um, rivalry for many years. But um, so you said now Larry Bird, how many championships did Larry win? You know, um, I believe three or four, but it, it was. You you had a tough Lakers squad, the Pistons, Pacers, or a few really good teams back then. You know, and it, and there's still good teams right now. And and getting back to LeBron again, 
Um, he does. He does his best statistic, in my opinion, is uh, the most flops and the most whining. So, actually, so let's take a side note on this again. Uh, a little tangent. So the you ref for many years. Yes. And when do you when do you, you're not refing anymore, right? I have. I have a disability. I can't run anymore. My balance is off, and I'll get into that later. But you, so when when was the last season you refed? I believe it was um, when I developed this condition. It's called neurosarcoidosis. Um, okay. It's not a deadly disease. It's very similar to MS. Yep. Um, but it's got you know some side. So it's effects. more muscular than anything. Well, uh, it, it MS um, it kind of uh, gets worse as you you know. Um, go along but mm-hmm. i'm not sure if my condition is is going to do that you know i think i am the way i am but i can't run anymore and you know that's uh just kind of more of like a limp when you walk and things like that not even a limp um i haven't fallen but um i can't when i go to games i have to sit on the bottom row because i can't go up the bleachers unless there's a handle there so it's more like the balance balance and leg weakness it's mainly my left leg yeah and, it's it's odd because no one in my family has ever had an autoimmune condition, and I I got it. Just developed it. This, yeah. Um. So sorry. The the last last year you coached or not coached reft was. Uh, I believe it was um 2019. Okay, I'm pretty sure. So so again, this I'm jumping around here because I got a lot of questions. So this being a coach, being a ref, being a player. What sticks out as you're looking at the game three different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've done both for long periods of time. What what have you picked up the most from each? From a player, from a um, from being a you know obviously a coaching at a certain point in time, being a ref at a certain point in time. Like, what were the things that really stuck out on all you know just different angles of the game? Okay, um, first of all, um, playing was always my favorite. That's yeah. number one. Number two was coaching, and three was refereeing. And the only reason I refed is because I couldn't coach anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because I, I ended up getting into the real world as a I was a recreation director at um, the New York State Prison mm-hmm. for thirty one years. So you know I was in, I just didn't have time to coach anymore and recruit and all that stuff. Uh, but refereeing. Um, was very difficult. You you have to have thick skin out out there, and if you don't, you're not going to make it. Um, and people get paid well for refereeing. Uh, I know in high school, I believe it's 115 a game mm-hmm. for varsity, which isn't bad at all. And then when I I also officiated in college um, at the Division two and three level, and also in soccer the same way. Actually, I did a UVM men's middle division one soccer game once which was pretty neat yeah i never played soccer i was so nervous you would not believe how nervous i was i was gonna say d1 level they're so so quick yes just the game is so much faster than d3 yes i i did i thought i did a pretty good job but uh very nervous yeah so getting back to to that um so i made um per game 250 for refereeing the college games uh, average it depends what the conference is mm-hmm. But I could tell you that at Big Ten pays the highest for it's Division One mm-hmm. Big Ten, and you would not believe how much they get per game. They get four thousand a game. 
This is basketball refs? Basketball referee. Okay. Men's. I'm not sure a woman yet. Maybe similar, but mm-hmm. 4000 a game. But, you know, that I, I, I kind of wanted to do that, but it, you have to know people, politics, and also they can have that life because they're living hotel to hotel, yeah. city to city. They do games every day. A lot of them, unfortunately, um, you know, go to the bar and, and indulge too much there. Um, you know, they don't get to see their kids play because they're on the road all the time. In fact, one of the top referees, his name was Mike Kitts, never saw his son play in high school. Yeah. You know, uh, which that's not a good trade-off. You, you have to be there for your kids. Yeah. So, no, I I agree, and I, that's why I stopped coaching. I mean, I, I coached yes. for – I did soccer for many years, and I did basketball for a few years. And the same thing, I stopped coaching basketball, then I stopped coaching soccer. Just it, it was time. You know what I was – I would love it if I could coach right now. I would. I loved coaching. It was so much fun. It was very rewarding. Um, it was. It was tough. It was long. You know, like you said, you definitely don't do it for the money because you get paid next to nothing. So, but yes. it's. It is. Um, you know, it's still fun. It's still fun to see the kids. And I think kind of was going or the original question, like as a player, you understand a portion of the game. You know, depending on the position that you play. And then when you become a coach, you have to understand the whole game. You have to understand the strategy, but you also have to understand who's playing what position, how all the plays work. And I remember that was the biggest thing that changed. I was always probably similar to you. I I was not the most athletic kid. I was not I'm, – I'm short. I am not the quickest kid. I wasn't the strongest kid. Um, but I, I did – I could think my way around stuff. Mm-hmm. I – you know, I feel – I also went to Shay-Z, so that you made the team no matter what. But it didn't mean you necessarily had to play in every sport. And I, you know, was lucky enough to play on some good teams, both in soccer and one year of basketball. We had a really good team, and I just remember um, you you just knew your position and you knew your role. And then when I became a coach, I was like, okay, I need to know in basketball sense. I need to know point guard. I need to know the you know the forwards and the centers. And and then you had to understand kind of the the strategy of the game and the you know whether it be timeouts or whether it be you know different plays or whatever, and that was always something that I really enjoyed, kind of more of like a little 30,000-foot view of the game versus kind of being like in like on the court. You kind of could, you know, I've, a lot of times I'll sit there and think and kind of almost like come out and just, it's almost it's like a mental thing I do. And I do this in work, but I do it um, for sports too. I would almost like pretend I was outside my body looking down at myself coaching mm-hmm. at times. And it kind of put things in perspective. Um, not necessarily during the game, but this was like when you're trying to almost like replay a game in your head of like what could have been better, what you know, what could I have improved on, and I think that the knowledge of the game from basketball or sort of coaching in general, soccer or basketball, was made me a better uh, speaker, made me a better um, you know, I guess you could say leader of in a sense, but it made me understand the game better, made me understand how to connect it to people because not everybody can. You could tell, and you know this as a coach, like you could tell five kids one thing that's going to resonate with one of them. If you change around a little bit, it resonate with two other ones. It's just how you approach it and how you talk to kids. And every kid's different to an extent. They have, you know, they're all different mannerisms and different ways of learning and different ways of, you know, whether it's, you know, listening to you or pushing back or some kids work their tail off. You have some kids that are just lazy. You know, you, you have the whole gamut, but you had a, you know, your team. So you got to try to bring everybody together. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult coaching is, um, leadership's tough. And, and to coach people I find is very tough too, because you have to get everybody on the same page. Cause you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you're only as good as the sum of your parts. Like you're not without a doubt. Yep. So, um, but back to 
when you went to be a coach and you went to be a ref, like how did those how did those expand the knowledge of your game or understanding of of the sport? Well, uh, being a coach um, is so rewarding. The one thing that I did as different than a lot of others, I, I believed in positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Throwing a couple negatives every once in a while, you know, I'd throw some people out of practice, and but the next day. Except for Neil Facet, though, when I threw him out of practice, you, co- you coach Neil. Yeah, I was his high school coach. I was <laughs> I was only twenty three years old when I got that job, and uh, I kicked him out of practice because he was fooling around, and so we only had eight players. So I needed we needed everyone out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, someone go get that guy. He was in the shower, lathering up, not a care in the world, ready to go home, because he you know early dinner. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he he came back, and I almost threw him out again because he – but he was MVP of the league. So he was – And this he, was at which – St. John's Academy. St. John's, okay. Yeah, and um, now we're – he's one of my best friends now. Yeah. So, it, you know, it kind of evolved. Does, does, does uh, Neil still play basketball? No. Okay. No. Well, we're, we, we've all had to uh, – leave it alone but as far as a coach though um i would listen to my players like during a timeout i would say what do you think mm-hmm. you know get their input doesn't mean you have to go with it but just say what do you think and um they would offer whatever i wouldn't have to select that but it, it that's one thing and, and i believed in second chances and even sometimes third chances you know people have a tough life mm-hmm. and um they make some mistakes and they grew up in a very tough environment a lot of the players that i coached and so that's that's how i i I became a coach uh because of i really cared about the kids and wanted to teach them and so from a coaching standpoint like what um what was your i guess because you coach varsity so obviously varsity is a little different than if you're in the lower levels developing players going up so when you were coaching were you was it all about can you do you win? Was it all about or was it trying to build a program for the future? Like what what was kind of your main thing going into um, coaching? And again, I'll I'll speak a little bit. I coached only JV sports. I never coached varsity. Mm-hmm. I would like to have won every game. Realistically, <laughs> I was trying to, especially with soccer, I was trying to develop them for what I knew Rob was going to do in varsity. When mm-hmm. I played through the system. I knew what he. I knew the players that were going to play in varsity. You knew the kids that were probably not going to be starters or play significant minutes. So, you really had to try to push kids certain ways and try to develop certain things for certain players and try to teach them at a little bit higher level, so they could fit into the system at the varsity level. Mm-hmm. And I knew that going in. So I'm like, don't like. You can take a loss, but if they can learn a lesson or they can learn something that's because JV sports was meaningless besides the kids on the team and maybe the parents. Like nobody cares really at the end of the day what your Mm -hmm. record is. Um, You know, we had some good teams, but it was always the main goal was to to prepare them for the next level. Um, Mm -hmm. And I tried to do the same thing with basketball. Teach them what I know, but teach them how to play at an advanced level knowing that they have to take a step up, you know, in the next Mm -hmm. year or two. Uh, so for you, what was your mindset from a coaching perspective um, for these players? Well, obviously winning is important, but you learn a lot from losing too. You learn a lot about life. Winning, losing, you can you can identify um, a lot of things that you do on the court and bring them into your life. Um, and 
at Clinton, when I was hired, I had no time to recruit at all. So we actually, a guy that didn't even make his high school team, he bowled in high school. He made my team. Okay. We struggled. We were three and 25. I don't even know how we won the three games. <laughs> and we only had six guys. And I remember Jerry Welch, the coach at Potsdam State. He's legendary. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He... He uh, he asked me one day because I used to work his camp, and he said, uh, "Tom, how do you practice with just six players?" And I say, um, "Well, coach, I I have to I put cones out there, and sometimes we don't even score in the cones." And he he cracked up at that, you know. But that year um, we struggled, and we played in the Onondaga tournament in Syracuse, and we we got. Really, uh, we got beat pretty bad by the host team in the first round. And uh, and I remember after the game, I was talking to my players. I said, because I was, I was really recruiting hard, and I, I was sick of the losing. I, you know, I mean, 3-25 and 25 is tough. <laughs> so um, we played in that tournament, and after the game, I said, guys, uh, don't worry, you know, we're going to have – I've been recruiting. We're going to have a much better team next year. And I remember Mike Bolris, my team captain, he's from Ellenberg. He said to me, Coach, you know, worry about us right now. Don't worry about next year. And he was so right. You know, I, I mean, I should have been concentrating on them rather than the following year. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, he was right. And um, the next year I recruited really hard. I actually had 10 local kids on my team. Well, Anywhere, maybe eight to ten, very good players too, and I also mixed it in with a great player from Hempstead who became an All-American at Potsdam. His name was Denfield James. He's still the leading all-time leading scorer at Clinton, and so we played in the tournament again at Onondaga because they thought, all right, we might as well invite him back. We'll we'll be in the championship game. Onondaga thought that we killed them. We beat them by thirty. This is a year later. Yeah, a year later. Wow. And um, and we ended up winning the tournament. We played Casanova in the championship game, and, and we beat them. And I remember Jim Beheim, the coach at Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I used to work his camp, and uh, I I asked him, "Can we come to your practice? You know, while we're in at in Syracuse, you know, in between games?" And he said, "Sure." So we went to the practice, and we had a, a pretty big team, and um, you know, we looked like a college team. You know, a Division One team because we were so big. We had a six ten guy and six 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 five, and and uh, so we go into the practice, and they were playing Eastern Kentucky the next day. So the players thought we were Eastern Kentucky, all the players. And Derek Coleman, uh, I'm not sure if you heard of him, but um, he would dunk so hard and then stare at my six ten guy watching in the stands and. Uh, it was pretty funny, you know. <laughs> so that that was pretty neat, you know. I'll never forget that that uh, poor guy, you know. Poor his name was Sam Huckaba and from Danamora, and um, it was something else. Was this at the dome, or did they practice was, somewhere else? Is at the dome? Yeah. Yes. So that was uh, pretty wild. Yeah, I'll never forget that. So uh, coaching, you know, again was number two for me, and um, I. I I've always enjoyed it, and that's why I translate it to my basketball camp because I miss coaching so much. So, 
between the two, so I want, I want to talk about refing a little bit. So how, you ref for... 30 years. I was going to say, I was going to say 25, 30. Okay. Yep. I saw that. So the 30, and you did soccer, you did basketball. Obviously, um, I'm assuming you preferred basketball of the two. Not necessarily. No? Okay. No. I, uh, so even soccer though, was good? Yeah, soccer was outstanding. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and um, I never played soccer because we didn't have soccer in, in high school at Plattsburgh High School then. And, but I would... I remember doing college games, and my buddy Tom Curl, who was a head coach at uh, the basketball coach, he would bust on me so bad. You didn't even play soccer. How could you be out in the middle? You know, he'd yell it out and try to embarrass me on purpose. You know, he, he knew. So if the ball would come to me, um, whatever, you know, where it was a dead ball, he'd go, Lace, kick it back to the goalie. And he knew I, I would probably kick it to the left or right yeah and he was just messing with me so um but i enjoyed really you know i enjoyed officiating maybe soccer more than basketball although i've had it seems they fight more and and there's some bad attitudes sometimes in in soccer and in soccer yeah i, I had a game probably playing men's league that got <laughs> oh yeah i used to rep that too. yeah men's league was getting like getting into a ufc uh ufc ring so what, what, I mean, what did you like bat, more about soccer than basketball? Oh, gosh. Um, I think the camaraderie of the officiating. And it seems like overall the coaches mm-hmm. were better. Um, you don't hear them as much. Yep. Bigger space. Yeah. And um, other than that, UVM Division One game, I I've really haven't been nervous. The thing like is that. with... Uh, so I, again, I've never ref, but um, a couple thoughts on my for refing. Number one, for, I mean for soccer versus basketball. Basketball is fast. It's a fast game. Things happen quick. The ball you go from defense mm-hmm. to offense very fast. Soccer. I mean, I absolutely love soccer, but soccer is it's a fast game, but it's on a big field. It takes a while to go from one end to the other relative to basketball. Um, there's also it, I find it's easier at times to call the play because you know basketball you have lines you have different mm-hmm. violations you have different things i mean soccer you can't as long as you just don't touch it with your hand you're fine but and you know basketball there's moving picks and screens and all these things mm-hmm. and it being in the paint and i mean you have all these extra rules so i find that soccer's soccer is so simplistic but I, and this is as a playing that's why the strategy of soccer sometimes can be difficult because it's such a simplistic game that you really have to be creative with how you strategize and some of, I mean they've gotten to the point now where you kind of know what to do but there's not a whole lot it's like here's a ball and you know here's a couple basic rules and just get the ball in the net so i find basketball though it's a faster paced game you also like you said people are on top of you in basketball and I don't know if that the, there's obviously the the listening aspect because it, you know it's louder mm-hmm. in a basketball court, uh, but I also feel there's got to be some social pressure of people breathing down your neck. The coach is typically right there barking mm-hmm. in your ear while you're just refing. He's literally standing right next to you. Yes. you don't have that in soccer. Very rarely do you have it in soccer. You're right. And uh, I also find that the crowd it's easier to hear the crowd. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more dead time in, in basketball because you have foul shots, you have subs, you have you know yes. you have the timeouts, and and I feel like. There's a lot of times that officials, and we were just at, it was uh, last weekend, 
the Plastic State game. And, you know, you got D3 basketball and they're playing and stuff. And there was like a little, I'm sure you remember, there was like a little scuffle over at the end. And, you know, they were mm-hmm. kind of figuring out what to go, what to do. And you could feel the, 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 the pulse of the crowd went from like dead silent to everybody was up in arms. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't that big of a deal, like the play itself. I remember it, yeah. Yeah, it was just kind of a little, you know, a couple, couple of guys got tied up together. It was no big deal. But, but you could see how like the elevation of the whole, everybody went from here to then everybody's on edge mm-hmm. and who's the guys everybody's yelling at it's the three officials because they're making up yep. the rules and the and i think you i saw you post this the other day about like you had kind of mentioned you know family and stuff with your, you know your daughter and people yelling and stuff and i think when you look at officials a couple things you said yes they get paid i get it they're there to do a job and they're getting paid but at the end of the day you also have to these people and this anybody that's refing locally and at majority of levels, it's not their livelihood. Like most mm-hmm. of them, this is something they do. And and again, I've always looked at it from a coaching and a parent now. I mean, not really parent, but a player and a coaching perspective, and a little bit as a player, uh, parent now, is that if we didn't have officials, how much worse the game would be than it is now. And people will take it for granted. And I know you know officiating numbers aren't super high. They're always trying to get more people and trying to get make sure they have more numbers. I think if you ask anybody, they're never going to say we have too many officials. It's typically the opposite. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, unfortunately, is parents, it's players, it's coaches. It, I'd probably say it's more uh, fans and coaches than players. But I feel like it's a thankless job to be a ref. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for refing, it's kind of the status or it's kind of the expectation that if you are a good official, you're not seen or heard. So it's almost like if you do a good job, we don't even want to talk to you or see you or do anything. Mm-hmm. But if you mess up, we're going to jump down your throat. And it's like, but at the end of the day, and again, when I was ref or coaching, there wasn't one time I yelled at an official. Number one, they're not going to change a call. I've never seen an official change mm-hmm. a call based on someone screaming at them. Number two, officials are humans. And when I say what I mean by that is if I'm going to yell at you, and this is not an officiating thing. I'm just yelling at Tom as Tom is a person. Mm-hmm. You are going to have a more of a negative um, reaction or feeling towards me than if I said, Tom, hey, don't worry about that call. I get it. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's all good. Like we make mistakes. You would be like, yeah, thanks, Galen, for not jumping like jumping all over me on it. Right. And I might get a better call down the, the down the line. Or if I don't get a, a bad, another call, I'm just being a decent person. Because I know if I scream at you, it's not going anywhere. Right, and I and again, I don't know how this is actually as an official because I'm sure you've taken your brunt of people oh, yeah. screaming at you. But when someone, how do you separate that in a game as an official? Because oftentimes you are looked at as the bad guy, and it's also funny too where if someone loses a game, two things. Mm-hmm. I'm actually in a couple of directions here. If you lose, if you win a game mm-hmm. in a blowout. You never hear anything about the officials. Never. Mm-hmm. I've never heard a winning team say, you know what? The officials really didn't treat the losing team well tonight. Mm-hmm. That's never happened. If you lose by a lot, the officials aren't really a big part of the game because it was so, right. you know, whatever. If it's a close game, if you win, totally fine. If the shot goes in at the end of the game to win the game, the officials aren't a problem. If the shot mm-hmm. misses, it's the officials' fault. And I've never understood that because, and I've seen this with parents. I've seen it with parents of the players I coached. I've seen it just in general. And it's like, Everybody wants to point something out and not keep accountability. And I'm always like, if it was the ref's fault, especially in basketball, how many shots go up in a game in basketball? A lot. Mm-hmm. And I said, you mean to tell me you lost by three points, but it was a ref's fault? I said, what happened with the kid that missed 20 shots that game? Mm-hmm. It's never his fault. And I've always, and it, it's, a lot of it is the emotional, non-logical way of thinking about it. 
again, I've never been, I've never worn the stripes. Like, what is it on your side of it? What's your interpretation of that? Um, well, I know I just threw a lot at you. But. No, that's okay. Uh, first of all, referees don't have an agenda when they go into the game. And if they do, they should not be officiating. You know, we don't care who wins. I really don't care. You just, if we make a mistake, we're our worst critic. You know, we take it home and say, gosh, what could I have done differently? How can I get better? All these things. And, uh, you know, and also, again, you said we're human. We are. We hear those things mm-hmm. in the stands. And some of them are pretty bad. They really are. And um, you just, you have to have thick skin. And if you don't, um, I remember there was a fellow official, an excellent one, who's he's not officiating anymore. And after the game at the field house, a big game, he wanted to go in the stands. And we had to say, no, please don't go. You know, that's how yeah. that's how emotional we can get. I, I've never had that happen. Although when I roughed the soccer game at St. Michael's, a college game, um, I gave a couple red cards out, deservingly. It was a fight. And after the game in soccer, you you, you have to dress at your car, you know, take your shirt off whenever. And yeah. I remember that a guy from England on the other team, I think it was St. Anselm's, he said, I wish... He he look he yells at him and he's with his teammates. He goes, "I wish your mother were blankety blank dead." To you, he said that, and my mother was had passed away. I did everything in my power not to yeah. not to Bite your respond, and I just ignored him. But you know we can't handle everything. Yeah, you know, and there was an instance this past uh, last summer where an official um, had a heart attack uh, and died. Uh, because the parents came, they, they, it was only in like a fifth or sixth grade game too. Just stress? Is it stressful? Like, yeah, there was a little fight and, and, um, that probably, you know, not definitely caused the heart attack and the guy died and, you know, stuff like that, um, it gives officiating somewhat of a bad name and it it makes people afraid to, to put the stripes on, but After the game, I can tell you we're, we're happy. The officials are happy that we know we did a good job. We did the best we could. We're going to make mistakes. You know, no one's perfect. And um, we have some excellent officials around here and even in the past. Um, my favorite when I played and coached was Johnny Carpenter. He was he was one of the best. So And also uh, Bill Badger was another great one. And let's see who else. There's, I, I listed I, I listed all my favorite referees on on the Facebook site, um, and uh, trying so to. So, what, what do you think makes a good referee? Well, uh, being dedicated, knowing the rules, um, having thick skin, not gossiping about other talking about it about other officials. Uh, just getting out there, staying in shape. Um, you know, it's just uh, those are the main things. You know, knowing personnel. Uh, I remember officiating in, at the field house in a championship game, and the Plattsburgh guard was bringing the ball up court, and I'm talking with him, you know, like as a, a coach. I said, uh, you got to go to the left more. <laughs> and, and I said that to him, and I don't – I probably shouldn't have, but I, that was my coaching coming out of me, you know. And um, he he even talks about that to this day. Well, I was gonna say how. So I'm I'm trying to go find uh, that site. Oh yeah, there's there's Joe right there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, cleaned up. It, it, uh, 
I'm looking for. Oh, yeah, I know Nikki too. Yeah, I I'm trying to go that. back to because I think I did see that about the coaches, but yeah. Um. So, how often do you talk to players on the court? Like, what's that? What's that like for you being a, you know, from an officiating standpoint? Do a lot of players talk to you on the court? Do you get like back and forth? Is it pretty much they just try to avoid you? Well, for the most part, I was a little different. You know, being a former coach and player, I could understand uh, what they're going through. And um, it just, um, it, it, I, I enjoyed it, and they they liked the fact that I talked with them. You know, I don't think the coaches would like it, you know, unless they snitched on me. But I just did. Now it's well, my coaching. And you, usually it's, I, I remember playing, and, and, you know, officials would say stuff, but it's not like, it was always just like, easygoing stuff like hey how's the season going like you right. know hey good play back there you know hear a couple mm-hmm. things like that or you know you even have some that are just like like hey like thanks for you know not losing your cool kind of thing right you see that sometimes on fouls where the kid you know mm-hmm. you know i think and like i said it's just kind of positive reinforcement of what you would like to see and right. it's like hey play hard and you know you do all the stuff just there's a level difference between hard and chippy you know and it's yes um you know and i think the like you said there's a different mindset of like when someone's really trying to play, you can see this. I mean, it's, it's, you know, when someone's trying to do something they shouldn't be doing versus someone's just playing hard and you know, it's, it's, you can tell by body language, you can tell by just, you know, a lot of factors and you just get a feel for like that player, you know, what might be out of control. might've just been a bad luck. They just kind of bumped into each other. It's, you know, of course that's goes back to the coaches and parents screaming at somebody. It's like, Listen, like, mm-hmm. you know, they go different ways, but I said everybody's, a lot of people have the emotional blinders on of whatever team they're rooting for. And I said Absolutely. a lot of it is the logic kind of goes out the door, unfortunately, when they buy their ticket and walk into the, the you know, the uh, the arena. But, um, yeah, so these are the guys you said for coaching or for yes. refing. I don't, these are all, I mean, I know Don, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think. The only one up there that I think, would remember might be Steve Chris because he yes. was kind of on the younger end. Most of these guys, they're. I want to say Steve Stahl. How he that name sounds familiar. Yeah, I have him at number sixteen. How, how old Steve? He's about my age. He's he's excellent. Okay, he so really as I say, that name sticks out. But um, yeah, th- these are more. I would say probably mostly retired at this point or past past uh, refs. I let's see. There are just two that are still. What Mike Roberts is active. He's excellent. He's underappreciated, in my opinion. Mike Roberts, okay. He should he should go to the states one year, and he hasn't gone, and I think he should go. So. Oh yeah, yeah. What was yeah? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he had a good uh, son. Was a good basketball player. Yes, he was. Yep. Oh shoot, I just lost it. But that's. Yes. No, I do remember Mike. Yep. He was. He was. He rough back when I played for sure. Yeah. But he was. I think he was only basketball though, right? Did he do soccer? Just did basketball, and he just does boys basketball. He didn't do girls. It's okay. two different sets of rules. It's it's tough to make the adjustment if you're doing both. Did, but Mike was good. Did you have a preference on uh, men or boy girl basketball? No, I didn't. Although I didn't, I did men's college. I didn't do women's college. You have to pick one or the other. You can't do both in college. Oh, that's um, a rule. Yeah, that's the rule. Okay, and um, I admire. Anyone that officiates at at a higher level, and I give everyone their props if they want to make it. You know, um, being on the road though, even as a Division Three referee, sometimes uh, 
Although I never missed any of my daughter's events, not never missed anything. What um, well, when when it comes to like refing, when you look at like D three refs, where are they mostly out of? Are they New York State guys, like New England guys? Uh, I've I've officiated with a lot of excellent um, Vermont referees. They're they're still a lot of them are still doing it. They're friends. Mm-hmm. They'll be friends for life. I let I ref with a lot of um, the Albany guys. Um, we have really really good um local referees and in fact the three guys that were on that game that we were talking about at Plattsburgh State yeah. I worked with all three of them even though they're younger than me but yeah yeah they all look pretty young but where where are those guys out of they're all out of Albany okay yeah. so that's 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 common no when they travel up do those three typically ref together all the time no there's a so there's uh, a rotation yes um someone is the the main person and you want to you want to do that because of the driving, you know, yep. in the Northway or wherever. You want to put three together from the same area. Although I didn't have that happen to me all the time because I was the only one doing men's college from Plattsburgh, so I would go by myself a lot. Where did you travel to for games? Uh, I would go to Middlebury, Union, Skidmore, uh, RPI. Uh, Jefferson Community College. I I really didn't like that drive at all to to Watertown, Potsdam, Clarkson. Did you ever St. do Plattsburgh State, or was that not because you're local? Well, because I played there. Yeah, and went there. Um, I and plus Tom Curl is one of my best friends. And yeah, so um, I couldn't do those games. Although I did soccer there, um, in. I feel like the, I, I see more local officials. I've never recognized a basketball official from mm-hmm. Plattsburgh State, but Plattsburgh soccer, majority of them are local guys. Yes. So I, is, is that a, is that normal to have local guys do Plattsburgh State for no. soccer but not basketball? Oh, I, I'm not sure. Like I've seen like, you know, you. See, I mean, I, if I start rattling off names, I'll forget some guys. But it, there's typically, th- you know, at least two, oftentimes three local officials out there. Mm-hmm. They're the same guys you see in high school. They're, yep. you know. Whether it's Gary Kaiser, whether you know, yeah. like I said, Barry Norton's been out there for years. I know um, Adam Scarf was out there for years. So I mean, you kind of look at because um, that's what I always wondered. Like you see the refs, but you don't actually understand the behind the scenes part of it. Because I yeah. even know logistically, you know, here talking to different refs that do it and kind of speaking how they whether they're running it or whether they're just going and you know doing their jobs. Like right. it's it's a lot of work, a lot of logistics. You guys do multiple games in a week. Yeah. And then you do high school and, you know, mix it in and you have to know all sets of rules or different college rules, different, you have to make the adjustments. Are the men, men, men's and women's three-point line the same now? Um, you the, had to ask me. The re, the, well, the reason I asked that I is because... I think so, but I'm not positive. Because Plattsburgh State, and I didn't recognize this until last game, my kids were actually in the, the game running around the court and I saw it, there's only one three-point line. And I, I noticed it, I was watching the, um, the stream of, I think the... Men were playing. I want to say it was New Paltz. It was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're on the road, and I saw the one the one line. I asked Gina because she's working with the men's team right now, and it um, and she wasn't sure, but because there used to be two different. Yes, they, they used I, to be the same, yep. and then it used then the men went back a little bit further. But I feel like they moved the women's back to where the men is for the, at least the college level. I'm pretty sure they did. Okay, especially Good. if there's only one line at Plattsburgh State, you know, they I'm sure that's the rule. I did one time, uh, did do a Plattsburgh State game, 
Um, and the only reason I went to a game, I did, for some reason I didn't have a Friday game. Um, usually that's the night high school is, and I didn't have a game at all. So I said, I'm going to go watch Tom play. Tom, you know, because you know, he, was, he was my college roommate, and we're still best best of friends. Not, I, And um, so I go to the game, and the referees don't show up. From uh, they were from Albany, so I said, "Oh my gosh, don't please don't ask me, please." So they asked me. <laughs> you were already at the game. I was at the game, and I only live less than a mile away on Marcy Lane. So I, um, well, he called. They called. They had to call the assigner okay. to get approval, and the other coach, the Clarkson coach, had to agree with it. And because he knew our Tom and I were really good friends, and uh, at any rate, um, the assigner approved it, and he said just pick two from the women's game and work with them. And um, I said, all right, you know. And I'm, I I was nervous because, as you know, Tom is tough. He was tough on referees. He really was. So um, they had never ever lost to Clarkson. He had never lost to Clarkson. Tom and he, you know he's at home and I'm saying oh it shouldn't be a big deal comes down to the very last possession and thank goodness I was the trail official where I didn't have to make a big call and Tom, what, what year was this oh gosh it was probably 2006 maybe uh, so it was prime time plus yeah. to say basketball yeah and um, I didn't I did not and Tom loses the Clarkson that's the only time he ever lost, and I was the one that officiated. But he never said anything to me the whole game. You know, we we kid about it now. Yeah. So that was pretty neat. What uh, I guess for me and a coach or being a ref, like what? Because you hear coaches like jawing at the officials. Like, mm-hmm. do you think there's a place for that in sports? Do you think it's beneficial in any way? As long as they don't get personal, that's okay. Um, you, you see some there. Some people are kind of animated yeah and that's okay too just uh don't get personal um you know i, I would give um coaches a little bit more slack than others because i coached i understood what they're going through and um that post that i had on facebook recently about um a game uh, i i really didn't mean anything by um i think it was misinterpreted i wasn't bashing any coach any referee i was just given my observations and uh i i i don't know sometimes i want to say maybe i should delete that because i i don't like controversy at all don't never liked it at all and uh, i felt bad about if anyone misinterpreted what i was trying to say it was more or less this is about a coach um yeah he's 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 an excellent coach he didn't mean anything you know i just that's all you know i just put it in the past and move on more or less you know i felt bad if he was uh misinterpreting anything i've said or, or anyone maybe officials might have been misinterpreted but i i looked i i kind of reread that article every once in a while and um i'm saying where did i where was i um inappropriate or bashing anyone i really wasn't the so. yeah i mean i think uh oh is, is this is this it um yeah i think one it of the is. coaches yeah um uh, oh yeah that, yeah i read that one yeah i think uh i mean i i think again the same thing i think 
it doesn't make sense to yell at the official because I really don't think it goes anywhere. I do get mm-hmm. that there's definitely emotion. You know, a lot of coaches that played are very competitive people in mm-hmm. their own right. Um, again, I kind of go back to this goes back to a leadership thing. I, I think also if you see that the ref is yelling or you see the coach is yelling at the ref, then I think it, it kind of leads to a potential slippery slope with players acting out. Yeah. And then I also think it affects the, the over. I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to win a basketball game. Right. And I always look at this. I mean, you want to put the refs on. I mean, like you said, no, nobody cares. The refs, I mean, the refs don't care. And I said, at the end of the day, the refs don't care no. if you win. They don't care if you lose. They don't They don't have an agenda. I've never believed a ref had an agenda. When people are like, oh, the refs were bad. I'm like, oh, you're, you're, you know, your team missed mm-hmm. a lot of, like, how, how they lost, they missed 10 free throws. Right. The ref didn't make, miss 10 free throws or whatever it might be. But I also feel when you start getting into and you lose focus of the game, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you're running your plays. You're not even really worried about the other team. Because like you said mm-hmm. before, like if you run your plays and you work hard and you execute yep. what you're supposed to do, you're probably going to have a good shot at winning. Right. A lot of people get caught up in their own, um, you know, I, I think they get caught up. I don't want to say like the, the politics of the game, but you know, like mm-hmm. all the little nuanced stuff, I'm like, that doesn't really help you put the ball in a basket. Right. So if you kind of get, you kind of lose fact of the game and that could be yelling at a player, that could be getting yep. in this little one-on-one jawing fest with a player. Definitely. Um, and I, I just, I think that, uh, yeah, I think all of it's tough, but I think the, I don't know, I'm just not, a, I'm not a fan of yelling at officials, yeah. um, especially local officials. Cause I feel like local officials do so much. Yeah. Um, now let me see a couple. I'm, I'm just reading that real quick. Uh, oh, your article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And last night I'm trying to where, okay. In last night's game. I would have done nothing differently except give an unsporting technical to one of the coaches for a comment he made in the third quarter, which I heard from the other side of the court, despite the deafening fans. And, you know, technical is only a foul on the coach. It's nothing major. There's nothing. Yeah, it's a couple there's shots. There's nothing wrong. And, uh, and I don't, I'm not a ref basher by all means. You know, they have, everyone has their own point of giving a technical. And maybe there's a, or large, and I I didn't mean anything by any of that, honestly. And yeah, I, I think I think in life though, it's like you know, if you try to appease, was it the uh, the quickest way? Like so, something like if you can't please everybody, it's like the quickest way not to please everybody is trying to please everybody. It's like you just do yeah. your own thing. So I think a lot of it though, it's kind of like anything else. The majority of people have a very normal opinion and it's the mm-hmm. outliers that kind of start the little fight and you see a lot now yeah. with like politics and things in life and oh, it's yeah. like i said majority of people get along like at, really mm-hmm. at the end of the day i uh, even said please don't take that the wrong way see where it says that please don't take that the wrong way i was gonna say then you're in the clear tom you're good um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a couple quick things i w- want to let's talk about the basketball camp um, first, okay. I want to make sure we, we have some time to talk about yep. that. Okay. Um, so give us a little rundown. What is it? How does it start? Well, Who goes? What's it for? I mean, um, it, it, I've read a couple articles on it. It's, it there's a lot to it. Yeah. In, good, in uh, a very good way. Uh, six years ago, um, I was just thinking, and I, I told my friends that uh, I want to do a free basketball camp. And they all said, no, that you can't do a free basketball camp and you're not going to have people to go. And, um, so, um, I talked with them, but I did it anyway. Our first camp was at the, the old base gym. It wasn't run by the YMCA back then. And it was run by Plattsburgh city recreation. And, um, we ran it there and we had 58 
total kids, which isn't bad for the first year. And this was what year? Uh, 2016, I think. Okay. Um, and uh, and um, Neil Fassett and Shane Parliament from Plattsburgh Paven, they both were big sponsors back then. Uh, it's all we gave back then was the shirts, mm -hmm. and um, we didn't have to pay for insurance or the gym time. And so um, that's why um, everything worked out, and it continued to grow from there. And like I said, uh, you know, I grew up so poor, couldn't afford sneakers, couldn't afford to go to camp. That's why I do it, really. That's the bottom yeah. line. And um, I feel so bad. And, and even it was asked, um, someone said, Tom, you know, all, all the kids that go to that are not poor financially. And my response to that was... Uh, you know, maybe they're poor in other ways. Maybe they don't have the confidence that that some people would have. And also, uh, the parents they pay for so many things. You know, their AAU and hotels and so many things they need to break too. So why not do something free for them, mm -hmm. for the community? And that's why, really, that's that's where it started from, and it's just taken off from there. I, you know, this year we're going to give um, sneakers to every single um, camper. Okay. And um, they can get whatever color they want. And my sponsor for that, I, I, I know someone, some people might say, oh, I don't like that company, you know, but it, I'm going to say it right now. I don't care. It, it's Timu. They're giving me $10 per sneaker. Okay. And which is amazing. So we're gonna have 400, um, 400 campers because I have to cap it because we had too many kids last year, and that's um, that's four thousand. No, uh, yeah, yeah, four thousand dollars for sneakers. That's not bad at all. Yeah, and through fundraising, um, it's it's gonna happen. The sneakers are amazing from from this company. They have everything you can ask for. They might not be the best for playing basketball in, but you know, that's these lime green ones I have on right now are, are from that company. And every single sneaker company, uh, they make their sneakers in, in Asia, uh -huh. um, you know, cheap labor and unfortunately cheap labor. Yep. And it's, you know, like Nike and Adidas and Reebok and Puma, they all. And so that's why people were bashing this company, you know, because they, they have cheap labor and they're making their sneakers. But I don't. If well, they don't want them, they don't have to have them. Yeah, that. But I think if you go down that rabbit hole, you're going to realize that a lot of things people use every day in life will simplify down to that. Unfortunately, yes. like you can, and I think like if you have a cell phone, you're a hypocrite if you're saying that. In, in the sense that you yeah. know, and I, I don't, I don't want to open up a can or you know open know, up a wormhole there. But it's just, it's just the idea that there's so many more things involved than that, and it's tough to you mm -hmm. know to point fingers at. But I'm like, I I think Tom, I was reading the article on this, and I think there's a lot. Um, you know, and it, I think this was something that started out small, like anything. You kind of you put time into it, you you mm -hmm. uh, nurture it into something bigger. And I think the last uh, couple of years, I think it's really made a splash. I think you know, obviously with the amount of campers, I do think with the publicity, I do know you you know are very active with getting um, uh, knowledge. I'm going to say knowledgeable people because I don't want to say famous people, but you you have brought in some bigger names. You have brought in some very good local knowledge um, base of people. Um, I think the big thing, though, when I was reading through this, I'm going to just read this verbatim because okay. I think this this is a kind of a 
kind of a cool thing, and I think this is the thing that really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just make sure. I'm going to kind of jump around slightly on these two. Um, yeah, let me just make sure I got my right things here. So okay. uh, first off, you said the – okay, founder of the Adirondack Coast Basketball Camp um, – Wants to keep expanding upon the idea he developed. The camp, the only free organized basketball camp in New York State, um, offers North Country athletes an opportunity to work on their basketball skills and receive uh, instruction from an abundant amount of local coaches at no cost. Uh, This is a quote from you, Tom. I came from a very poor family, and this camp means a lot to me because I want to give an, I want to give kids an opportunity that I could not have when I was a kid. I am always trying to keep the camp growing and making it bigger and better. And I think the the next part, one might wonder why Lacey is so passionate about getting free sneakers because you just spoke about this. When I was a freshman in high school, someone, I don't know who it was, put a free pair of Adidas Pro Model sneakers in my locker. That was the best pair of sneakers I ever had. I never had good sneakers. It meant so much to me because my family could not afford anything back then. And then you said, unknown teammate at Plattsburgh created the inspiration to pay the gesture forward to all campers. And I think when you look at that and you listen, and again, I think this, you know, this might be my parenting, um, you know, emotional part coming out of me but when you look at you know you kind of mentioned your parents great people you know did what Mm -hmm. they could and i think you know one of the things is as a parent you always try to be there for your your kids you know like you mentioned going to your daughter being there for her you know going to her events not missing anything and that's something that i've really put a big focus on the last few years of my my children is like really you know having sacrifices in certain spots for the greater good of you Mm -hmm. know raising your child and i think one of the things that you know, we run a golf tournament every year that we do the same thing. It's, it's for kids' charities, and we, we've mm-hmm. raised a lot of – I think we've raised like – I think we're, we just eclipsed 40000 given. So we've raised wow. more, but we've – and this has only happened in five years. That's and great. One yeah. of the, well, one of the things we did and we support is the backpack program at JCO, which is giving mm-hmm. food to kids on weekends that don't have food. Yes. And I think the, the thing that I look at most is – Everybody needs help in life in some capacity. It doesn't matter the age. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs help. They need friends. They need family. They need people to lean on. And I said, the thing is, kids are at more of a disadvantage because of many. I mean, they're they're younger. They're obviously not of a legal age. Mm-hmm. They they are more reliant on others. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of it is if you like, it breaks my heart to see that kids don't go home with food like that. Like I get kind of yeah. emotional even thinking about it. And then to see someone like this, and I'm going to switch it over to you with, with sneakers, you could say, they're sneakers. Who cares? You know, whatever. But I said, at the end of the day, you know how it is. If you're a child playing basketball, playing any sport, mm-hmm. basketball, number one, it's a great way. There's the physical aspect. There's the health aspect. There's the friend aspect, the social aspect. Mm-hmm. All of that's combined. It's not easy for a child because the thing is it's not the kid's fault. If they, they don't have sneakers, it's not, mm-hmm. the, they're not, you know what I mean? It, and it's not, right. the, it's not even the parents fault. The life's hard. And I think that when you look at it from some of these, some of this perspective of, if you're a set, say you said high school, say you're 15, 16 years old and you can't afford sneakers. Like mm-hmm. the, a lot of kids are in this boat. They feel less than other people. I don't mm-hmm. have the, I don't have the nicest sneakers. I don't have the LeBrons. I don't have the Jordans. I don't have this. Right. And, and a lot of it is, it's not even up to the kid. The, like, sure, I would like that. But I said, if your parents, there's more important things in life than sneakers. But mm-hmm. I will say, there is a level of social acceptance when teams, you want to be a teammate. You want to be like your your friends. And there's a mm-hmm. big, especially a young age when kids, they're mentally not fully developed. They're mentally, they're very influenced by others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like you said, not judge, you said this very early on about not judging other people and not, you know, you know, uh, um, 
mm-hmm. looking down on other people. I think you know the simple act of giving you sneakers. It wasn't the sneakers. It was like what the sneakers stood for, in right. my opinion, of like what it led to. Maybe it was more more comfort for you. Maybe it was security. Maybe it was acceptance. Maybe it was just like, wow, I dodged a bullet there. Or maybe I just have this feeling that I'm, you know, getting made fun of or picked on or or felt mm-hmm. less than because oh, Lacey doesn't have the cool sneakers. Well, you know, like I said, that little gesture because you don't know what people are going through. So I think the idea that you can bring like the people that might, you know, shit on your sneakers or shit on whatever that you're offering for free to kids, that's a small population cuz you, like you said, even if one kid can't afford sneakers and that is a turning point, I mean, you, you lived it. So it's not like mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, but I think that anytime you look at stuff like that, um and again, these these kids going to the camp, they don't they might look at you and they might look at the coaches and be like, oh, that's cool. Like they, he ran it or whatever. But like when you really like dig deeper into mm-hmm. it, there's a lot that goes on. And I think it's not that these kids aren't appreciative. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think as you get older and you start to realize like the only way you can, especially in a small town, it's like people have to step up. And I think that, you know, it's time, energy, money. And you do a lot of it, sacrificing a lot of time. And mm-hmm. it's not easy to put that on. I guarantee you, you know, oh, you work yeah. on it probably 12 months out of the year. Um, so when you're dealing with all this stuff, there's a lot involved to it. And I think giving access to kids and some of them won't, some of the kids will make fun of the shoes. Some of the kids, you know, they're kids. They're going to have those opinions. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some kid that might go along with the crowd, gets home at night and is like thankful that those shoes are they're there, you know, mm-hmm. and they become their high school shoes or their modified shoes or whatever. Um, I, I think it's cool. That was the biggest thing for me. Cause obviously, you, you know, like the, the story behind it too. Like, yeah. It, without a doubt. And, uh, I, they also will get an indoor-outdoor basketball this year. They're going to get a camp shirt. We have um, free breakfast and lunch, uh-huh. uh, only for the second week because Speakman Town School is not open um, during the first week of camp. And um, we're, we play Team Canada on Friday, which is a big thing. Our all-star team will play that, the oldest division, girls and boys, you know, each week on a Friday. Um, and we're also going, I'm not sure, Galen, if you ever heard of Rucker Park. Yeah. It's probably, probably the most prestigious basketball court in the world. Cage basketball. Yeah. And I have a connection down there that, um, he's going to give us, uh, get us three games. So we got three games. The parents will have to pay for that, the lodging and, and everything on their own. I'm just going to go down there and make my first basket ever at Rucker Park. I've never been there. No, I've never been. Yeah, so uh, also the New York Liberty, WNBA New York Liberty, give us tickets for the game. Okay. But that's a big commitment, though, to drive down to Brooklyn and um, go to the game. They also pay half the lodging, too, which is only a mile from uh, the Barclay Center. Rutgers Park, so it's in Brooklyn? No, uh, Barclay Center is where the WNBA, where the Liberty play. So that's but, different. The Rucker the, the oh, Park yeah, is not the same thing. No, no, but I'm saying uh, Rucker Park, is is it in Brooklyn? Cause... No, it's in Harlem. Oh, it is? So it's north? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, we're, you know, those are the things I've been working on, and uh, it's going to be reality. Um, I've got help now with um, the fundraising from Sarah Chase and also from Daniel Piper. He's doing my website. Oh, yeah. Dan's been on the podcast. Yeah. Young Dan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Dan's a great kid. Yep. So he's he's actually coming over uh, at 5 o'clock today, and uh, we're going to update the site where you can – because March 1st is a big date. That's where we're going to um, – that's when kids can sign up, 
pick whatever color sneakers they want, size, which shirt or whatever. And, um, you know, uh, but again, March 2nd is going to be a bad day because if you don't get, if you're not one of the 175 for the boys, 175 for the girls, you won't be able to get in. So you're capping it at what's that? Three fifty. Three fifty, but the the four hundred sneakers are um, for staff, and we're also paying staff one seventy five a week, which is pretty good because it's providing jobs for the North Country, uh, for high. It'll be high school child or kids, kids that um, played basketball that are knowledgeable, and also college um, players too, like uh, people like Courtney McCarthy and. Uh, See Peyton Kucher, they all play in college, yep. and and uh, Travis who played in college. You know, we, and guest speakers. Um, um, one person um, is a guy named Butch Lee. He's going to come and speak. He played. Uh, let's see. He play, He won a national championship at Marquette in the. Uh, I believe it was in the seventies. He's the first. Oh yeah, right here. Yes. First Puerto Rican and, former basketball player. First um, uh, Hispanic person to ever play in the NBA. He won an NBA championship, too, with um, Magic Johnson. He was on the Lakers. He played in the Olympics. That's pretty cool. So yeah. so you have a speaker every day? Yes. So out of – and now – the camp, <coughs> excuse me, the camp runs how many how many total weeks? Is the two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. So you have 10 different speakers lined up? Even more than that. Sometimes I'll have, have an afternoon speaker because a lot of people enjoy speaking um, to the kids. So know. just for people, like, give us uh, some rundowns of some past people you've had. Okay. Uh, gosh, I haven't had an NBA player yet, but a lot of college coaches yep. like Tom Spambauer from Cortland. Um, I'm trying to get Tobin Anderson, who's the head coach at yeah. Iona. Um, I used to ref his games. Uh, he's the guy that beat... Oh, uh, no, I'm thinking of someone... That's- Tobin, Tobin Anderson? No. Yeah, he's a head coach at Iona right now. Also, the UVM coach has said he wants to come this year and uh, speak. Tom Brennan. Oh, yeah? He's going he's gonna to come. Corman the coach? Remember yeah, that? Corman the coach. I just hope he doesn't use any foul language. <laughs> so, yeah, so to- Tobin Anderson. <clears throat> so he's not at uh, Farley Dick- or Fairleigh Dickinson anymore. No, he's at Iona. I used to ref his games at Clarkson. I, I I played him one on one before I roughed his game. And, oh wow! I didn't I, know he was. Yeah, wow. I beat him. I beat him handily, and then I had to ref his game. And his father was messing with him. You let that referee beat you one on one, right during the game. You know it was pretty funny. Yeah, Tobin. Tobin's a great guy. Yeah, because I mean he was obviously almost like kind of national news a couple years ago. Yes, or last was a yeah last year, right? Yeah, he's just regular guy like you and I, just. Uh, Made it, you know, made it to that level, and you gotta, gotta give him his props for it. So I, Iona is a step up then. You think from uh, Farley Dickinson? Yeah. Oh yeah. Big big yeah. jump up because he. Uh, I always like Iona because of the Gales. It's cl- pretty close to my name. It's yeah. As close as I can get it. Um. Uh, oh, that's that's very neat. So he, I know you had a, you know, some past player like Missy West went last year, right? No, Missy West hasn't. Uh, it was. Um, Who am I thinking of then? Uh, Julie Moore. Julie Moore. Okay, because yes. I always get the two mixed up, but they're both like. Phenomenal players. Phenomenal, yeah. She came all the way from Tennessee. I I think that and and spoke at You got to admire that. I had. um, She came just for it. Well, I'm sure she saw family too. I mean, I'm sure she mixed everything in there, but that was outstanding. We had Shannon Ryan, who plays, played professionally. 
Um, we're going to try to get Brooke uh, Pajeko, who plays in uh, Germany right now. Okay. Um, and uh, gosh, Hal Cohen, who's the one that has a who played at Syracuse and has the record for most consecutive free throws, like we talked about. He's he's going to probably make it. A lot of college coaches, high school coaches too. Uh, Mike Blaine, the head coach at um, yep. Neil Epstein from Clinton. Yep. You might as well have the, you know, so they can see these guys and uh, girls play and... and Neil, a, Neil's a younger guy, right? Yeah, he's... he's both out, are outstanding coaches. Where did... Uh, yeah, where's Neil from? Because I don't know... I'm not really sure. Is he, lo- is he local? No, he's not local. Okay, because I, I don't know him personally at all, but I, I think I saw yeah. a photo. I was like, he's just younger than I expected him to be. Yep. And also uh, Kevin Doherty. Yeah. Um, and Matt Berry, they've always been mainstays. Uh, we have Jeff Holmes and um, Tom Curl, you know, who's who's going into who just got selected to be in the New York State uh, Basketball Hall of Fame this year. He's going to oh, be nice. inducted. Yeah. And uh, it, is Tom still in Maine or no? Tom Curl? Yeah. No. Didn't he go? Where did he go to? Where, when he left Plattsburgh, where did he go? Uh, Somewhere in the Northeast, right? He was New England area. Tokyo Post, which is in Connecticut, was Connecticut, okay. and also he coached at Alfred State and uh, Utica Tech, and um, then Plattsburgh State, and then he he um, became the athletic director. Oh gosh, at school in North Carolina, and now he's doing fundraising at Southern Florida. So he lives in Florida now. Yeah. Oh wow. Him okay. and his wonderful wife uh, Anne Marie Curl. She, she's uh, top notch, and they have a great. Some family. very athletic kids, and yeah, I, I've heard very nice kids. I don't know them personally. Yeah, but they are. They're fairly they all good. Are. All a good group of people. But um, so the basketball coach or the basketball camp, uh, number wise, like you said, you went from fifty up to about well three fifty right now. And yeah, but last year we had six twenty one, and that was oh, just... you had that many. Yeah, we it was. Wow. I didn't do a good job last year because there's just not enough space. I don't care if you're Mike Shashevsky or whatever. Did you, just, coach. did you just have the one court of Beekman Town, or used no, the junior you, high? Yeah, we we used the middle school and we used an outdoor court, but there was the air quality was pretty pretty bad then. So yeah, we couldn't we had we, the fires. You mean yeah, from, yeah. So we couldn't go outside sometimes. So it was it was difficult, and I'll be the first to admit um, I didn't go do a good job and. You know, you learn from that just too many. I thought, uh, I think I was concentrating on quantity rather than quality. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of selfish of me to do that. So um, it's going to be back to being the quality it, it should be. I, I feel like, uh, but I feel like that's easy to slip into when you try to grow. Is yeah. that you want more and more and more, and then you realize, like, okay, we got the more, now we need to do better. Yes. And uh, yeah, but I think. Uh, I mean that's that's cool. I think a lot of it too. Again, we we talked about it before. It's like you have the social aspect, you have the physical aspect. You know, you see, you know, this happens. I think all levels of, uh, you know, ages or whatever. It's you know, people are sitting more, people aren't as active anymore. So it's like to give kids, mm-hmm. especially when the kids are going in the summer. Yep. It's it's tough. Like if you don't have things organized for kids, like schools organized. So like for yes. a lot of parents, it's like okay, we're in a routine. They go to school, great. Mm-hmm. Now it's summer vacation. Especially you do it early in summer vacation. So it's kind of yep. like for a lot of 
families, it's like, what do we do with the kids? We still have to work. We're figuring out daycare. What are they doing? Are they just mm-hmm. staying home? Are they just staying at home playing video games? Like if you pull the kids out for a couple weeks and have them still play, right. stay active, I think that's massive. And um, I'm sure there's been people like parents, kids going to the camp. I've, I'm sure I've seen benefits from it. If, yeah. If nothing else, just a fun week to hang out with some friends or meet new friends. Sure. Um, another thing that I have to work on because we had too many kids last year is accountability. I have to know where every kid is at all times. And uh, I hate to admit this, but I didn't do a good job of that last year. And it's not going to ever happen again. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad that you know, you have to know where the kids are. You have to. So we're going to be... We're going to be accountable, and that's that's important. Uh, what I mean, it's also how many coach, how many coaches do you have, or yeah, how many coaches do you have for all the kids? Um, I believe it's uh, 40, 40 or fifty. That's one week. You know, different coaches for yeah. the girls and different for the, a total of of about fifty. And um, they were a lot of them were volunteering mm-hmm. and. You have to have the coaches accountable too. Yeah, you know, because a lot. Ha- and I understand they had they'd say, uh, Tom, you- I have to leave because I have this and that. But now um, I want them if they're going to get paid, they have to be there. So, it's about three hours a day, nine to twelve thirty, three and a half hours. Yeah. Sometimes a little longer. And then on uh, July fourth, we won't have a camp. That's for the girls' week, and we're going to double up on Friday. You know, where we have like a double session so they won't lose anything. Gotcha. A little bit longer of a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, because when you look at, I mean, if that was one to 20, like a coach, like the ratio of coach to player, that's a lot. You'd probably do like one to, what, 10 is probably a good number. Like if you had 350 kids, about 35 yeah. coaches should, yep. I would think that would be kind of have your own little mini group or do co-coaching of on a couple yeah. drills. We, we do a lot of fun things too. Jasmine Piper is the greatest. You know, I love her so much as far as the way she is with the kids she's positive she can be a little feisty at times so just like uh just like um your wife um, yeah oh yeah Gina. A little spunk yeah oh yeah and that's a good thing so if you're not having fun you're not going to get better that's always been my theory that's why i don't believe in negative reinforcement because that's not always fun so that's yeah well so i'm looking here so you have obviously you you know Coordinating it, Jasmine, yeah. Travis yeah. Gorham, who, yeah. uh, you know, ar- arguably, uh, I, I, well, I'll kind of dump, jump into co- college basketball. I was say, ar- arguably, some of the best basketball the area's ever seen was when Travis was playing. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and actually, Anthony Williams is going to come speak. And, oh, is he? Uh, and Curtis Smith, they're coming. Oh, so you got like the trifecta there. Uh, yeah. And um, we have Ronnie Wright, who was a member of the only Plattsburgh State team that made it to the final four he's coming um you mean still still alive at this point oh yeah I mean, yeah he's no but i mean out of all the because from that was back what in the 70s 76 they're yeah. all still alive i I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm actually gonna do a story on that and uh glenn sutterby do you know glenn he's a u.s judge united I states don't. judge the name sounds familiar but he's, i don't know him personally he's from plattsburgh and he, he he's um i'm gonna interview him he's a friend of mine um, and uh, the coach, Norm Law, and also the Potsdam coach. I want to interview him about that team too, see what his input is, and as many as I can get, you know. And uh, Yeah, you got some good uh, some good uh, coaches here. 
Yeah. Corey Lewis comes back for it. Yeah. Corey, uh, well, that's another thing. <laughs> I, he's got a great worth ethic, too. And I remember refereeing his, uh, refereeing his soccer game once at Shay Z. Yep. <laughs> he had this unbelievable play where he kicked it behind his back like a basketball, putting it behind their back, yeah. and scored a goal. I've never seen that. Yeah. He, yeah. I don't, I don't, I almost positive I know the play you're talking about. It was, it was t- he rainbowed the kid, went up and scored. Um, yep. Yeah, so I I was lucky. Lewis has been on this, and he still sends me stuff, and I love it. I mean, he's uh, we went to high school together, and like I said, I mm-hmm. played on many teams with 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 Corey. Yeah. And, um, he was the reason we won a sectional basketball yeah. in the year oh. we won it. So I mean, I just like I said, I absolutely love Corey. But he, uh, so there's yeah, so I got Lewis. I mean, there's Avery Durgan. She plays soccer right now, right at Plastic yeah. State. Yep. So she re- played basketball too, though. Yeah, I recognize her name. Um, Peyton, she plays at Plattsburgh right now. Yeah. Adi Hollister, who plays at Cobleskill right now. Okay. Dylan uh, plays at Plattsburgh. Yep. Uh, Colton Hustis plays at Potsdam. Park Kelly, Potsdam. Dan Munson played at well, Potsdam. And Brett. I, mean, I know Brett from yeah. uh, Strength and Conditioning, too, from Plattsburgh. Taylor Saltis, she played at Canton. She's going to be – she's the new up-and-coming great coach in our area, in my opinion. Who's this? Taylor Saltis. Okay. Who does she coach for? Um, she right now she's the assistant coach at Beekman Town. Okay. But uh, there's without a doubt she's going to get a uh, a head coaching job, and whoever plays for her will they're going to win, and they're going to have fun. Nice. Um, Sean, he played Plastic State, yeah. right? Sean, yeah. Yep. I remember the name. Um, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good group. Uh. Garrett Frady? Yeah, who's he? That name looks familiar, too. Uh, excellent athlete who played at Plattsburgh High School. He played soccer, too. Younger kid, right, now? Or no? Is he older? Uh, younger. I was going to say, probably in the last few years graduated. The name, I, the name looks I'd familiar. I'd say about right? 10 years ago, but I'm not oh, is positive. That, oh, okay. Maybe maybe longer. The name looks familiar, though. Yeah. No, that's a good group right there. Um, who? So I guess you go to a lot of... So the other thing I want to talk about, you go to a lot of basketball games, you know, and I think... Um, this is now starting to make sense because I see you had a, a degree in journalism. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what's been the – is this is something fairly recent or new you've done, right? Going out and kind yeah. of reporting on games. And, and um, what, what's the purpose of it? What do, you, what do you enjoy about it? What do you, you know, hope to, I guess, pass along? Because I, I really enjoy your posts. I, Thank I you. tell Gina, I said, I, I feel – well, you're very active. So I feel like I see probably a post almost every day from you. Mm-hmm. And I usually – because I don't, I don't get the paper. I don't – I have three young mm-hmm. kids, so I have a hard time getting the games and following local sports. You're actually the only reason I know about what's going on in local <laughs> – at least from a basketball perspective of local sports. Well, so I actually do enjoy the write-ups and who's doing well and who – you know, what I kids are playing well. I appreciate that. Um, the reason to keep busy um, – you know, I'm retired now, and I uh, just want to keep busy. I love going to basketball games or even any sporting event. I'll, I'll probably do it for soccer as well. Hockey, I, I can't skate backwards, so I... <laughs> um, There's a little overlap, baseball, right, games? I, I love going to baseball games. I'll do baseball as well. Is that my key? I think it is. Um, it might be. Oh. So it's just sports in general, so it doesn't have to necessarily be basketball. Right. Yeah, I'm going to do... I'm going to continue to do it, and... Uh, I have no problem approaching the coaches, even if yeah. they lose. If they don't want to speak to me, that's fine. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, especially in a close game, no big deal. You know, I have a good rapport with many people around here, 
and they they're not afraid to to speak to me and you know i i just love doing it and uh mainly to keep busy uh you know well your reporting of the of the uh the games too is very much just like objective of like here's the game here's some what people were saying yeah. and i think it's i like the approach of you know, it's, you're just kind of you tell the story about it, and you let people have their input. So you yeah. read it, and there's more than just like, "Hey, this kid had ten points and you know five rebounds." Right. There's a little bit more substance to it. You know, I know you. I've seen you at the end of Plattsburgh State games, getting you know both sides, kind of some player right. interviews and coaching interviews. And I think, you know, um, and even if I go see the game, there's stuff. I mean, again, you're watching the game and you're picking up on little things that others don't. I think for anybody that enjoys sports, it's fun to just you have pictures you have kind of like yeah. a little bit of background on players and obviously you know a lot of, of them locally and mm-hmm. you know the history of a lot of it so i think that adds a little bit to it versus just some random person reporting on a game you can add like little comments and touches and you know who they were and records yeah. and stuff um how many games a week are you trying to go to um try to go every day yeah you know i'm, I'm gonna go to uh northeastern clinton to watch um yeah, so there's uh, like there's uh Gosh, why am I... I'm going to bring her up because I just saw it. She's looking uh, right here. Yeah. Who's this? Uh, Desiree DuBose. She's going to... She needs 12 points for um, 1,000. I actually saw her yesterday at the Plattsburgh-Mariah game. I'm I'm Plattsburgh, uh, Big Matown game, after the game. And and I said, I'm going to try to be there. And she said, great. And she said she needs 12 points. And I said, what if you don't get it? You know, 12 points isn't an easy task especially if you're beating the team by a lot and your coach yeah you know so she said don't worry or her teammate was there too bailey lafountain who also has a thousand points we just said it this year right yeah yeah and she said uh don't worry uh coach she's gonna get it i'm gonna make sure she gets it which is pretty funny so uh well as i say i like uh so Rob Guerin, he's the girls' coach, right? He's he's the best. Well, I was going to ask you. I said so. My question is, who are the top coaches? I put past and present, and I also put best kind of local players, you know, past and present because I yeah. know you've seen quite a few. Um, I want to start with coaching. From, like, do you think Rob's the best coach? Right now, he's the best um, girls' coach. Yeah, um, and you know that's. Uh, arguably the best you know that i gosh um that's a tough one because there's there's a lot of excellent coaches and you know the, i don't want to put down anyone the, at all the only well then I'll, I'll speak a little bit people can get mad at me i i yeah. so i played i played for rob so rob this was back in the day now but rob was at northeastern for years mm-hmm. he came to shazy one year he had you know he kind of had taken a, a higher level administrative position and i think they basically said you couldn't coach mm-hmm. so he's like all right i'll go 10 minutes down the road so he coached us um if you know anything about shazy basketball not we're not known for basketball and uh we had some good players though in we, the past. we've had some athletes but we Chris weren't gondak uh dan bernard yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you're going back into the 90s. So, like, Dan coached my senior year of basketball, and Dan's mm-hmm. a great guy, and I, you know, mm-hmm. like Dan a lot. And, but we ended up, you know, Rob comes in, basketball was not good at Shazy. They never really had, we never really won anything. We obviously mm-hmm. had good athletes, a lot of soccer players transitioned mm-hmm. to basketball. Uh, Rob came in our junior year. Corey Lewis was our best player, best player by far in the league. I would even argue probably in the area at the time. Mm-hmm. And when there were some, we, I mean, PHS was great back then. Peru was great back mm-hmm. then. There were some really solid teams. Um, and we ended up, I remember the beginning of the year, we roll in, 
Rob, we kind of knew him because of, of Northeastern, but we didn't know a lot about him. And mm-hmm. the one thing I'll say is we, I've never worked harder in a sports season than I did the year I, I played for Rob. And we mm-hmm. started in November. We ended in March. It was f- what, almost five months of basketball. Mm-hmm. And for guys that don't play a lot of basketball, this was kind of a, you know, it was a, a learning curve. And I remember a couple things. I remember we did a, a, this running drill and we were mm-hmm. dead. And, mm-hmm. and soccer, and soccer, I want to say legs, soccer breathing is much different than basketball breathing yes. when you're in a gym and you're doing short sprints. So yep. a lot of us came coming from soccer, even if we played, mm-hmm. you know, into the playoffs, it was like just a different level of conditioning. Right. And I remember, we remember doing it and he, we did like maybe three of these. And he's like, you guys will be doing 10 by the end of the year. And, and the only way Rob could say it, like sarcastic, yeah, heart of gold, but knew how to yep. j- dr- j- uh, kind of drive you, you know, kind of needle you to get the best out of you. And uh, sure enough, by the end of the year, we were in the best shape we've ever been. We mm-hmm. could run for days and we won the sectionals. We, I still think to this day, had we, um, and if Lewis was here, he would, he would agree with me. We <laughs> lost to Chattagay by one point in the regional finals oh, and we had beat them earlier in the year. First time we've, I think we've ever yeah. beaten them and we lost to them. They ended up losing the state championship game to, I think it was like Grover oh, something or something. Wow. And had we won the next game they played, they blew the team out by twenty something. They went to sec. They went to the state semifinals. I think they mm-hmm. played in Glens Falls, beat that team by like twenty something, and probably twenty points. Yep. And then they they lost, I think, pretty handedly to the championship team. That's okay but, though. You know, absolutely. And then the year, the following year, I believe Shadigay won the state championship. Yeah. And, and Shadigay was. I have to take a break. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'll keep talking. Yeah. Now. You do your thing. I'm gonna tell the story. People. Okay. I'll put them to sleep, not you. So let's be good. Yeah. The, um, so we ended up playing. We go. We we do this whole thing. And again, we we ended up winning sectionals. Barely lost. You know, we lost by a point. Um, and but we look at that is going back to Rob. I don't believe our team, had we had any other coach, would have been higher than middle of the pack. And I'm not saying you know this was one year. You know, it was a really special year. It was really cool to be a part of the team. What I took away most from that, obviously, we had some good memories. But I think the thing is, when I look at someone like Rob, he took a bunch of athletes, some much better. I mean, good athletes, but not really necessarily basketball players. We had a couple basketball players. Obviously, Corey Lewis was, you know, phenomenal. We had some other, some talented kids that were okay at basketball. Uh, but we never were a team with basketball. We never understood how to play together. We never understood the discipline of basketball. and and Because, again, it was way different from soccer. And I just remember Rob kind of harnessing what he could, getting the best out of us. We conditioned like crazy. And I think he kind of led with uh, – uh, what's the word? I, like he had this like uh, like this he, – he definitely had authority of the team. But at the same token, he could sit there and press you to the point where you, you know, kids would get mad at him just because he was challenging them. But then, same practice, he'd be just chatting about his famous lasagna or something. I'm pretty sure if Rob ever heard that, I think I think it was lasagna that he was. He always said he made the best lasagna. But you, you know, you would go from like these like intense moments to a lot of lightheartedness, and then you would go from in between games, before games, and he had this way of just kind of you know, pressing your buttons and it wasn't, and I think he would take, you know, sometimes the brunt of us disliking him. And when I say disliking, it was like, we disliked the work. It was hard work, but 
we won, and it translated to us winning. And, and the games were easy because we worked our tail off during practice. And uh, I think we used to have practice six days a week with the optional seventh day. You ever heard this, Tom? Six days. So for Rob, we we would do six days a week practices, and the seventh day was an. I'm going to use quotations here. Optional open gym on Sunday nights, which wow. meant that we practiced seven days a week. And and we used to just kind of have pickup on, on Sundays. And we'd, like Northeastern kids would come down. We kind of yep. had these like – a couple kids from uh, PHS at the time would come down and play. And we ended up having like these little games on Sunday nights. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of laid back, but you just – you played so much basketball. Mm-hmm. And he just got the best out of us. So we ended up – and then – so that was my year with Rob. Rob leaves Shazy, goes back to the boys' team at Northeastern. Yep. Phenomenal teams. Kind of the Steve Carter, Jamie Davison, uh, you know, Connor oh, yeah. Chapman. They had some really good teams back then. Um, at Tom Bedard. And there was a few other guys kind of in that, like, early 2010 span of years. And then he switches to girls' basketball and takes a program that – I mean, you remember Andy Landry and Norm Bono. I mean, they were a yep. dynasty for so many years. Yep. He based and then they filtered. They basically fell, you know, kind of off that that uh, perch. And Rob has then taken them back up. And I believe, I think you said they're the only undefeated team currently, which doesn't surprise me because <laughs> if anything I know from Rob, like I would love to see Rob's overall record of of coaching. Um, mm-hmm. it, he's got to have somewhere up between a, you know, I'd say around a ninety percent winning percentage. No doubt, he's wherever he goes, he wins. He wins, and I, I mean. And, and he was, does it in a positive way too. You know, well, what I was just saying when we stepped out was so Rob, like, he was tough, and it was tough to the point there's times you hated him because he was just like he has a level of prick mixed with a lot of empathy, and it, but it's a very good balance because you would get mad at him because it, the work was hard, and he would call you out on stuff. Mm-hmm. He would call you out like it could be one on one, it could be in front of a group if he knew you could take it, and a lot of it was. He just expected us to work hard, and mm-hmm. he got the best out of us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't cut corners. I remember doing this drill he used to call perfection. And long and short of it, they were about five-minute drills, and you're going pretty much all out. And we missed the the benchmark what we had hit by one. Mm-hmm. Do it again. And the thing was you had to do it until you hit it. Well, we did it a bunch. We're getting tired. Finally, we're one away. We're like, okay. And he's like, no, get back on the line. And that, it probably took us 45 minutes to get through it. And we were just wow. dying. But the thing was, it was like he just didn't let up. And what happened was the games got easier. Mm-hmm. We were in phenomenal shape. We learned how to play as a team. We learned how to harness our like our ability, which was mm-hmm. we could play defense and we could fast break. Our set plays weren't great, but we had the athleticism, and he, right. he knew that. And I've seen him translate it to other teams. And you take them, mm-hmm. you know, Northeastern girls, I'm sure they have some great players. But I would think that a lot of it is Rob is literally tapping out the potential of all these kids and you can see it. They're playing together. They're winning. Yeah. They're they're doing. And and Rob is very no nonsense. Very you know, um, you know, you're not going to see a lot of deviation from what he wants. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's a different style, but it's a style that that produces wins and produces yep. good teams. And I guarantee you, any kid that's ever played for him probably is going to start with, I love Rob. But God, did I hate him at times. Like, I think, but it wasn't like hated him. Yeah. You hated the hard work because it's, but once you learn to love the hard work, you love Rob because mm-hmm. he just could, he could, he literally pulled it out of you. Similar to Rob, like Rob McAuliffe is the same way. I mean, oh, I'm lucky yeah. enough to play and, and, um, and, and even, you know, luckier to coach with him at, um, for a few years. And, you know, same thing. He just knew how to 
tap mm-hmm. into kids and just knew how to get the potential out of them just to repeat it year over year. And people think it's easy and it's not. It's like he makes it look easy. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it, like there's times like, thank God that guy's on our side. I know. You've, you've uh, obviously played for and coached with some uh, great, um, outstanding coaches, no doubt about it. That 2-3 zone by Rob. Yep, that's all we play. It is so tough. When I would ref his games, I was actually looking for, oh, all right, if I was a shooter, what would I do? You know, and I wouldn't be able to get open because they were everywhere. The, the only way you can beat it is if you make three-point shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's really at the end of the day. is like you just have to be on shooting that day. Yep. Because you're not going to get a lot of opportunities, and you're not going to get a lot of good opportunities because mm-hmm. the shots you're taking are high-quality. I mean, I say high-quality. They're, you know, shooting a three-pointer, you got a low percentage shot than, than, you know, going in the lane and trying to shoot a layup, which never happened. Mm-hmm. And they swarm you. I mean, it was... And I remember learning the system, and I taught the system, and I had Rob come into one of my practices when mm-hmm. he was at Northeastern. I was That's like, hey, right Rob, you want to come help me out on yeah. this? And he, and a lot of it was, sorry, Tom, a lot of it was just me trying to relearn it. Mm-hmm. And even me kind of an understanding when he put it into play, I was like, there's the master at work. Okay, I'm going to pull <laughs> off, you know, really start taking notes down here. I can't say enough good things about Rob. He was, Same here. Yeah, and I think he's... It, I'd love to see how far he goes because I think that's someone that mm-hmm. deserves some bigger championship moments that probably hasn't got yet. It's tough, though. It's I, tough, it, exactly. I mean, it, it, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't use that as a guideline to rate him as a coach because it's so tough to win that yeah. state championship. It really is, and uh, he, you know, it's tough. Well, so I guess, so who are a couple of coaches, past and present, that you really you know, admire from, you know, at least just in basketball, that, that kind of stick out as like these were, these were like the best of the best? Well, obviously, I have to pick um, my coach, which was Ray Holmes. Okay. Um, just he made basketball fun. He really did. His practices were fun. He could, you know, he could be uh, tough at times, mm-hmm. but he just made it fun for you. And there's my theory: if it's not, if you're not having fun, you're not going to get better. Yep. Yep. So um, I always have to start with him. And gosh, um, I've you know Tom Curl, who was my you know he wasn't my coach, but. Uh, He's won the most games ever at Plattsburgh State. He took his team to the NCAs, I believe, eight times. Before that, they had only gone once or twice. In uh, that mid-2000 dynasty of yes. Plattsburgh, too. I mean, I, I was in high school at the time, and I went to a lot of those games. Mm-hmm. And you said Travis, Anthony, um, I think the whole Kurt, bunch. Curtis Overlap. There's, I mean, yep. that, that was like, it was just fun to watch those guys. And yes. I, th- I still think... To this day, they have the only perfect season, right? In Syriac? Yes. Yep. I mean, you see it up there, nineteen and zero. So I know, and um, they lost in the sweet sweet sixteen because their best player, and I'm forgetting his name, he had two free throws to win it. Who? Plasberg? Yeah. Anthony? No, it wasn't Anthony. Um, I, gosh, really good player. I mean, uh, was this the 08 team? I can't remember the name of the guy. Gosh. Uh, I know he's doing well now, and he lives in California, and Tom stays in touch with him, but he missed two free throws, and then they had to go to overtime, and uh, they lost in overtime. And also, Anthony, prior to that game, nailed a half-court shot. Yeah. And it was what Tom said was actually like a uh, jump shot. It wasn't even a throw-up, you know, throwing the ball up. Was that uh, that was against what, RIT? Uh, Rochester, University of Rochester. It was Rochester. It was okay. at uh, St. John Fisher, though. And yeah, I just remember he heaved it up from just inside, you know, right side of the court. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, right here. So 27 and 3. Yes. Like that is, 
and that was a fun team to watch. I mean, I mm-hmm. just remember, and again, I mean, Travis is part of the team now, and uh, yep, I well, yeah, this is at Plattsburgh. So mm-hmm. I remember going to this game. So you, okay, so the year, sorry, the year prior was when you had talked about. I remember going to both of these games. Yeah, I did too. Uh, I remember the Brandeis game. Um, Anthony had three fouls in the first half, and he sat, and that's the only reason why they lost. You know, uh, in my opinion, that's just well, my opinion. And the other thing too, Tom, like. Have you have you ever seen and this is again I'm only going back you know probably the last twenty years here I don't think I've ever seen the memorial have more people in it than that time period I mean it was like it was tough to get a ticket oh yeah I remember like it, and you kind of say it jokingly but there was only so many sta- seats there it wasn't a big arena You're right. or a big court and I remember we got in and it was like you were jammed up with people there were pe- it was almost like Hoosiers like people were kind of overflowing into <laughs> yes. the gym at the time and. Uh, as they kept going, it was like I, they were. It's funny now because I, I look at the, the basketball team and you know at least this is Plattsburgh State and they got some great players on it. And mm-hmm. Travis is obviously, um, you know, assistant coach right now. And I'm like, yes. I don't like if you that, you guys might know, but I don't know if you like how good Travis was. Like Travis he, was a phenomenal. This basketball is player. Anthony's son, by the way. I think yeah, you might AJ. know that. Yeah, and that's uh, Curtis's yeah, son. Yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, I've. I've Recognize more of these guys now because mm-hmm. Gina works with them, but yep. some really nice, you know, group of kids and definitely uh, they, uh, like I said, they're 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 finding their footing. But I mm-hmm. think I think like I said, a lot of them are going to pull together. And I, I think I'm excited so too. to see how the rest of the season goes because they've lost some games, it, but they're close. They're yes, a very they athletic are. team, and I think the and you could see this at the beginning of the year because they have a lot of transfers you know even mm-hmm. Dylan who's a fifth year he's a transfer you know yeah. see so Jeremiah's a transfer i think AJ's a transfer um yeah you know and i i think a lot of these these guys if they're 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 very close to pulling it together and i'm i'm excited to see what they could do in the Suniacs cuz i feel like they could put a run together without a doubt i think there's a lot of talent there i'm making a prediction right now they're winning the Suniac. You th- the winning? Yes. You think they're, they're beating Oswego? They played them tough at home. They're the gonna day. they're gonna beat Oswego. Cortland and Oneana went to Oswego in close games. Lost in overtime. Yeah. Both of them. Cortland was a one point game, I believe. Yes. So, uh, and you need um, your wife Gina to work on number five because he's hurt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Ike. Yeah, he uh, he is tough. His knee. Yeah, Ike I, I can jump out of the gym. Yep. I mean, he he's he's impressed. How actually, Ike I think's what a junior. Yes, but a lot of these guys like Kevin plays very. Kevin's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Willard's been playing quite a bit now. Yep. Um, I mean, he's he's a senior, but he's he's been, I think stepping up his game in the last handful yep. of games. Um, yeah, Tim Tim's been doing well too. Tim Thomas, thirty uh, five. Um, uh, the only I, I like the he plays hard the entire game. He's like a Dennis Rodman, but yeah, I don't like him taking those threes. I I he's not. He's 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 streaky on those. I think I think the best. I mean, right now, uh, Dylan's been doing well from the three line, and mm-hmm. Willard's been doing well yes. from three. And early in the season, I wouldn't have said that as much, but I think they, like I said, they're starting to grow a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they're minus Ike. I feel like they're starting to get a little more healthy because I know some of them were mm-hmm. banged up a little bit here and there, which happens to every team. But I know. Um, no, I'm I'm I'm. Looking forward to it. It's fun. We've watched them more this year just because, like yeah. I said, G- Gina sees them almost daily now. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's just a matter of time. But, yeah, the those older teams, um, I'm trying to get the year here. I wanted to see what the actual roster was, how far back this thing goes. Ah, see, this is going to be the hmm. – this is the problem. You can't 
Check that team out though. Let's oh nine and ten. There's there's Anthony. Anthony's assisting. Yeah. Let's see how did that team do. Uh, they weren't bad either. Statistics. Uh, well, here let's just look at the roster. I'm sure you you remember more of these guys than yeah, I. Yeah, he's he was good. Earl. Errol. Oh, Errol. Um, they're all, you know, tough tough customers. Chris Ruiz. Yeah, was I tough. Chris. Uh, Steve Thomas. Um, yeah, they won the the Sunyak that year. Unfortunately, Steve passed away. I I think I went to yeah I went to school with Steve. I had a couple classes with him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. So regarding yeah, so I guess some some other um, just coaches like any other coaches stick out. You said obviously you said Tom or you said uh, Rob. You said um, Ray. Holmes. Ray. Yep. Mm, let's see. Um. Um. A, Brian Cross and Chris Hartman are are both excellent. Brian coaches. Cross, Mariah, Mariah, and then Chris is PHS. Yeah, he's yep. he does a good job. Um, you know, he they're both very passionate. Um, you know, I I think all all the all the varsity coaches around here are, are excellent. You know, I mean, it it as you know, being a coach, it's it's tough out there. You know, you can't please everyone. You're gonna have you're gonna hear it from the parents or wherever. Well, and so, it's a long, long, long ga- uh, season. Yes, it's a very long season. I think that's the thing. It's it's almost uh, at times it ends up turning. It, it's funny, but it, it's a marathon. I mean, it, it's yes. like almost like who can who can weather the mental storm because you mm-hmm. have injuries, but a lot of it it's you, it's dark out. You're playing in the middle of the you know. I mean, you're just it's a tough time to pl- like play sports, especially up in mm-hmm. our area because you walk in, it's dark. You leave when it's dark. It's cold. You're in the gym like. You know, people are sick all the time in the winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's a long season to beat you up. I always feel sectional basketball, again, we, we only played it uh, one year, like actually played it, but I mm-hmm. typically went every year when it was at the field house. Yep. That was one of the best atmospheres. Oh, without Because a doubt. it was packed. I said you had games mm-hmm. overlapping each other, and I said yep. it really just got to the point where you went in. It was just, it was a cool event. Like it was just a fun time. Without a doubt. The energy was there, and oftentimes yep. you had plenty of, uh, what's it called? You had plenty of, uh, and I mean, you're talking about the best of the best kids, but it's fun because you just watch back to back games. Yeah, and I think that was the best yeah. part. Um, I'm not sure where they're going to have the sectionals. I'm, I don't think they're going to have it at the field house. I'm thinking Clinton Community College. They had it, yeah, because I think you, or maybe I'd ask you that. I think they are doing it, Clinton. Um, so my, my last my last questions are going to have here, Tom, just so for the sake of time. Yep. Ba- currently and in the past, talent basketball. Like who 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 do you currently think right now? Whether it's predictions on teams or specific players, like who, who's kind of the best of the best right now that are out there, um, that you, at least you've seen play. Gosh, um, the um, Caleb Akey from Cernak Lake is excellent. Um, gosh, the well, I know the two Parliament kids are pretty pretty good right now. Yeah, uh, both Beekman Town. Uh, I'm forgetting the the player at Mariah. He's excellent. He's only a junior. Um, okay, and I'm forgetting his name because of my CRS. You know, I have CRS, right? That's what you're talking about—the autoimmune thing. No, uh, it, CRS is can't remember S H I T. Oh, <laughs> it's like the AQR ain't quite right. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I can't. I I don't recall his I, name, but and also uh, I really like uh, Danny Hartman. 
He's the guy that does all those little things out there that wins ball games. And who he, does he play for? He play, plays for Plattsburgh. That's uh, Chris's son. Okay. If you he'll like in last night's game, he 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 was he did everything. He does the little things, and he's only a junior. Um, there's there's others. Um, the um, Caden Williams for Plattsburgh is is excellent. Okay. Obviously, Nate Parliament. Um, Josh, uh, no, Logan Rodriguez, who's only a sophomore, he's 6'6". He's six. Plattsburgh? Yeah. Okay. I know I'm forgetting people, and I, the kid from um, Jordan Brown from NCCS, and uh, man, I'm sorry if, I, if I'm forgetting who, who, someone. Who do you think is the best player that's ever come out of the area? You think it's Joe? Without a doubt, Joe. Yeah? Yeah, and, and if you polled people, he would get the most votes without a you know, in my opinion, he would get the most votes. Uh, there were a lot of good players. Uh, there was um, the Welch, a kid from Saranac. Uh, okay. He played at Bucknell uh, in, let's see, which is Division One. Um, there aren't a lot of Division One players. Uh, there's there's some women's um, Division One players. Uh, let's see, the NC Sarah Bushy. And also, gosh, what? there's my CRS again. The the girl that played at Westport who went to Syracuse, uh, Aaron Pratt. Okay. And um, yeah, because Westport back in like the '90s was like yeah. a dynasty of basketball. Um, yep. Yeah, I remember. I like obviously Courtney Corrier was a local girl. She went to yes, Lemoyne. Yes, forgot um, about her too. Yeah, the Corriers, but they were part of that dy- the NCCS dynasty for years. Yeah, you know, and they just won a lot of games and. Um, you know, and I think there's some, you know, local kids that go to kind of the SUNYAC schools, you know, some right. Potsdam teams, some Plattsburgh, right. you know. So, um, I mean, I always like, like right now, Dylan's really the only kid on Plattsburgh. Mm-hmm. I know Peyton on the girls. I don't know if there's, is there any other girl, local girls right now? Or is it just Peyton for um, basketball? Uh, uh, Brennan Ducat. She's going to score 1,000 tonight. She's only a junior. She's, she only at, needs three points. But I mean at Plattsburgh State. Oh, at Plattsburgh State. Yeah. Uh, um, Do you know any... Is it just Peyton is the only the lone? Uh... Uh, Courtney McCarthy, who's excellent as well. She's a local girl. Yeah, but uh, she's hurt. Okay, so um, she's done for the year. Because I know, like again, soccer. There's there's more uh, uh, local kids that play soccer yeah. than than basketball. Yeah, but like I said, it's still um, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, I, I do have one announcement. Can yeah, I was I gonna say. I'll let you. I'll let you wrap it up, Tom. So give us give us the last. Uh... Okay. First of all, the, I, I want to get into the fundraising part. Okay. You know, we need. I want to put a plug in. We need help still to reach our goal for the basketball camp. Um, we did have an anonymous donor give three thousand, which is outstanding. But you know, we're we have time, but um, uh, it, it's tough. I I don't like asking for money. No one really does, and so I. I want to put a plug in, you know, we, we need your help, especially from our great community and making this, making sure we can get sneakers for everyone and everything else that we do at our camp. And when you talk about, um, like for donations, so if you come up like our, I'm on your website, so our sponsors, uh, any place on here to donate or is it just easier just to reach out to you directly? Uh, sending a check to my place, um, and, and, uh, it would say Adirondack Coast Basketball Camp, and all, all the money is it goes to. I have all the money at Secom, um, Federal Credit Union, 
and um, it goes right into that account. And anyone wants to look at it, you know, we're a 501, we're a nonprofit organization. Um, and I do a spreadsheet and shows wherever where all the money is going, what's it for, right uh-huh. down to the penny. Um, so uh, we need help. We still need help. And uh, I, I definitely want to um, reach that goal. You know, we're we're at seven thousand mark right now. And but uh, what do you? I was gonna say, what do you try to try 30, to raise? Thirty one over is what we need. Thirty one thousand. Thousand, yeah. Okay. And that'll do it. And uh, but um, we got to inch ourselves there. And and Sarah Chase has been helping tremendously with that. I'm also doing a couple fundraisers. I'm I'm waiting to hear back. I'm doing a hoop fest, and I talked to the athletic director director at Plattsburgh State. Okay. It's 24-hour hoop fest. They'll stay. They'll bring their, their sleeping bags. Okay. They'll play basketball nonstop. We'll have games. We're going to have pizza. We're going to have uh, music, prizes, everything that you can possibly do. Is this like a, a marathon kind of thing, like a, a hoopathon? Like you're trying to like a certain amount of buckets in a time frame? No. They're going to play games, free throw contests, one-on-one just contests. Just fun stuff? Yeah. D- just to have fun. Play basketball, sleep if you need to, um, and um, I got the idea from a friend of mine. They did it, and it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm waiting to hear back from Plattsburgh State because uh, we'd be we'd have the girls in the um, where the pool was in that court, okay, and the boys in the up upper court, yeah. And um, we're planning on doing it uh, March. I think it was March 21st or 22nd. Because that's when Plattsburgh State is out of school. Yep. So we won't have any problem with that. So I'm just waiting. Um, I think uh, I'll be charging. I hate to charge, but I, you know, uh, it'll be one hundred dollars per kid, which is much less than a babysitter. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what well, twenty four hours too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll have staff there. It won't just be me. I I wouldn't be able to handle that. So um, that's another thing, and I'm I'm going to start a um, also a uh, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth um, tournament. Okay. Um, a, a league at uh, I'm going to do it at Oak Street School on those eight and a half foot baskets because that's mm-hmm. where I learned how to play, and that's a, also a fundraiser for my camp. And we'll see how we do there too. Um, I'm still working on the paperwork for that. I have to, I have to get the insurance, which uh, which. I'm probably I'm gonna probably get tomorrow and uh, we'll be all set with that. Yeah. Then I'll promote it on on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and in the schools. I substitute teach at four schools, so I'll, I'll promote it there and I'll I'll send something to the other schools. Yeah. And we'll see. But the one other thing though, I do want to make an official announcement. All right. Okay. Might have to read this verbatim. Maybe that's okay. Floor okay. yours. All right. I'd like to officially announce my intentions of running for mayor of Plattsburgh. I'm okay. serious. All right. Um, one of the reasons I'm seeking this position is because I really love our area. There's no doubt. We have many untapped things in our area to offer, and I believe some of the ideas I would bring to the table would make Platts- Plattsburgh an even better place to live. I'm not a politician by all means. I really am not. Um, I'm just an honest person who wants to do positive things for our great city and area. Um, let's see. I would like to present my ideas. One is to make the hotel idea a reality. 
there's I, I think if we polled the people of Plattsburgh, it would probably be ninety percent in favor of having it. And um, I have no idea why what why that's stuck in mud right now. I, I, there's probably some reasons, but I right now I don't. I have no idea. Another idea I'd like to bring to fruition is to start a minor league baseball team in our area. And I, Plattsburgh has a great tradition of baseball. I mean, there's, you know, Johnny Padres played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He won an MVP in the World Series. Line Mountain has just a ton of memorabilia and, and people that almost made it to the major leagues. Um, baseball is, is, is big around here. And I know for a fact that we could... Um, um, probably fill up the stands, and that's another idea I had. Um, and also, if you have a minor league team playing against uh, the Vermont team, would be a nice rivalry. You know, we're right next to the interstate, we're next to Montreal, right next to the ferry. Um, and I, I also think that we should build where the Crate Center was a a nice little minor league park, and. Um, I'm sure it would it would work out great. We'd um I would build it very similar to the old Billy Avenue ballpark, which you probably don't remember, but it was it's that's a historic it would be a historical site, Billy Avenue ballpark. You know, had the cover and everything and it was green and I think we should do something like that. Um you know, being if it was at the beach area, they would have so many things to do. They could go take a dive in the lake or they could camp there's also a they're they're working on a drive-in theater where um the old north country shopping center was you know all those things in that area gus's red hot you know everything so and um let's see so this would be for november time yeah right i was gonna say the, the mayor's or yeah, for re-election. I have to get the signatures. I haven't done yet. This is the first. How many? How many signatures do you need? I'm not sure. I, I have, I'm going to go so down there. So this is very early on. This is day one. I just okay. I've been thinking of it all week, and I want to announce it here. I love it. And um, I, you know, I also think it would increase camping and beach use. Another idea I have is um, to bring back the the Empire State Games, the summer Empire State Games, and. I don't know if you know this. They originated in Plattsburgh, um, and I'm forgetting the two people. One of them is his last name is Abernathy, but they came up with the idea. Plattsburgh people, and the first games were were going to be in Plattsburgh, but they had so many people, we just didn't have the rooms to to provide. Um, so they had to do it in Syracuse, and it's never been in Plattsburgh. But if we lower the scale of the events, you know, they had every Olympic event rowing and uh everything you can think of yeah so i i think and that would bring so much um income to our area without a doubt you know we've showcased they just, they're doing the they just finished the one right the, in lake placid that was the the winter empire state they, games they just did that one though right yeah last weekend they I haven't had that. the summer one since um i believe it was 9 11 kind of we lost a lot of stuff and when 9 11 occurred so they haven't had them in a while, but I think we could bring them back on a smaller scale and start it up again and sell our community. You know, um, there's no doubt. Um, let's see. 
Another thing I want to like to do is have a gigantic summer celebration in 2026 um, when I get reelected. <laughs> um, I'm kidding, folks. If you're, li- you know, I'm sure you listen to this. It's and that would be the 50th anniversary of the Olympic Games, which were in Montreal. The 50th. Yeah, it was 72, right? 76. 76? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Seventy Because it went right from there to 80 at Lake Placid. Yeah. We had, two, we had both Olympics in four years, like, what, th- 300 miles apart, 200 miles apart? Actually, and right. we're the only, Plattsburgh is the only city in the entire world that had the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics only an hour away. There's not another place. Yeah. Nowhere. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's pretty well, neat. Uh, the only one would be Beijing. Because I think then Beijing just hosts both summer, oh, summer and gosh, winter. Oh, gosh, you got me. But it was recently. It was, yes, like, I think, it was, the last yes. one. You, that was the first time I think they ever hosted, a country yeah. hosted both. Well, Beijing is, is about the same size as Plattsburgh. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> you I know what you, I'm I saying. I bet you didn't say that, Tom. Some people are like, wait, i got to fact check this. Uh, I know. Uh, catch them off guard. I'm, I'm glad. Some of my posts that I have, people are fact checking, and I'm so glad about it. <laughs> You know, I because what what is it the uh, C was it CRS 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 yes. that's the real thing. Yep, and um, let's see, which we would create correlate it with Montreal is going to have a fiftieth a celebration of all the Olympic, and we could invite all the. I don't know if you know this, but they all trained at Plattsburgh State. Bef- all of them trained yeah. at Plattsburgh State before they went to. Uh, I mean, this Montreal. was not my time frame, but yeah, I do yeah. remember that that and, being a thing. And we could invite as many uh, that would want to come, all the Olympic athletes. Uh, Bruce Jenner was one, Sugar Ray Leonard, Mark Spitz, yeah. Nancy Lieberman. Um, there's so many. You know, we, we would see how many would want to come. We could have a big celebration, a parade. People could get autographs, take pictures with the athletes. And um, I, I just think that would be another really good idea. We could all in, also invite the president of the U.S., because um, Gerald Ford came in to Plattsburgh. Yeah, that's right. Before the Olympics, yeah. yeah. And he sent them off, and I think we could pull that off with the right people. Um, and let's see. Uh, gosh, what else do I want to say about that? I also. Well, would... you, you threw a curveball. I wasn't expecting that, Tom. So that's yeah. No, keep going. I, I, yeah. You told yeah. you told me it was going to be something I wouldn't expect. So you you delivered. Yeah. And also, uh, one thing I would I would I would be strongly in favor of not closing down Clinton Community College. I would do everything in my power to make that stay because it's a Clinton is a win-win situation. I, I'm not sure of the, of the specifics, but it there's if there's a will, there's a way. And I know it's it's um, they're having financial problems. I know that, but um, every college is, and it you know. You save so much money. Uh, the students will save money. The parents, all the credits transfer. Aren't, aren't yeah? Because I don't know enough about that. Because I think they're shared services. But I think that like the they just I mean they just hired Chris Waterbury yesterday for the women's soccer. So I feel like they're doing some um, some of the sports seem to be doing okay. But I don't know if the college closes and what I'm assuming the athletic department closes. I'm not really sure because I know um, they're doing something with Plattsburgh. So I don't know. You know are they. You know, it's like Clinton playing at Memorial now. You know, like I don't because that that becomes a logistical problem with athletics. Yeah, it does. Um, let's see. I also would be support of our town supervisor, who I think is 
Mr. Cashman does a great job in assembling Billy Jones and who's ever in our local offices. I would work with them. Just yep. make this the best. I think this is God's country. Our area is God's country, except for January. Although this was a <laughs> this was a <laughs> we're in the clear now. We're in February. Yeah, we're looking forward. And um, I also understand uh, this is kind of sensitive, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, um, to the the significant mistake I made four years ago, I know, you know, I'm not perfect. No one really is, and. I no longer have any skeletons in my closet other than I threw some rocks at the freight trains on our house, and I also stole the soda from Cliff Coyer's gas station. Um, I, I have to admit that now, which was it was right across from Lattonville's Furniture on Margaret Street where I grew up. <laughs> so, you know, I paid for that mistake that I made four years ago. Um, unfortunately, uh, I'm divorced now to an adorable woman, and and... You know, I miss my daughter, too. And I want to talk about my daughter real quick. She's okay. at New Paltz State. She's a junior. She's flat out. You're going to be hearing about her because she in high school, she got the lead part every single year in the school plays. And now she's doing music drama there. And she's unbelievable singer, dancer, um, very personable, funny. She's got every quality you can think of. And... Uh, you know, I, I'm so proud of her. Honestly, extremely proud of her. And uh, um, you know, uh, there's there's a play this summer that Sound of Music is going to be at the um, Von Trapp Lodge uh, oh, this yeah? summer. And there's auditions in March for it, but she's going to be in college. I don't think she's going to be able to make it. But I did get uh, her and my ex-wife um, VIP tickets, and they're going to meet the Von Trapp family and get a signed book by them. And I paid for their lodging, which is um, the Von Trapp Lodge is booked, obviously, yeah. already. It's it's going to be June 20th through the 22nd, I believe, Okay, in Stowe. So, um, at, you know, uh, and uh, gosh... That's, you know, I'm running for mayor. I need everyone's support. I think I have a shot. Have you ever ran for public office? Yes, I, I um, ran for school board, um, Plattsburgh City School District, mm -hmm. and I won handily. Um, and, uh, you know, that was excellent experience for me. So, you know, I'm just hoping that that um, selfish and stupid act I did four years ago doesn't hope hopefully people will understand that well, people aren't perfect yeah and i think we, we we go back to like i said before life's hard and we're all trying to figure it out no matter yeah. what the age is and i think it's you know i think a lot of uh you know I've, I've yeah i think a lot of it's just you know realizing that everybody's human and kind of being a little bit more yeah. empathetic towards others and realize like i said it's people at the end of the day, I always think are, are and it, I might be naive saying this, but I feel like people are always trying to do the best they can in their mm -hmm. own way of doing it. And, you know, everybody's got their, from my little kids to myself to someone that's older, and I think everybody mm -hmm. can relate. They're, they're trying to figure out whatever's in their life at that moment, and they yeah. grow from it. So, um, but, yeah, well, I was not expecting that, Tom. And I, I think <laughs> that, I, I would say that's probably the biggest uh I've had a couple people drop like some stuff like out, but I think that's the I did not see that coming. But that's uh, yeah. so yeah, obviously that's what we're in February now. So you're yep. 
my math's correct. What's that? Nine months from now to yeah get all the stuff out. I, I hit the pavement get, and do your. I got to get busy. Get busy. I got to do. I got to get the signatures. Um, I have to talk to the press Republican. How, how before this goes live? How many people knew knew about this? Um, a small group. I'm. Two people. Wow. Okay. Well, yes. Um, you're the third, but I told the others not to say anything. I. Well, I won't. I, I won't no, say it until this gets reco- uh, this gets put out. So. When's it going to be put out? By the way, uh, no later than tomorrow. Well, okay, good. So it'll be quick. I'm not. You're gonna. You're. We're, we're pushing you over the edge. Then we're getting you out there. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it my best shot. If I'm not elected, I will respect hey, that. I. I, uh, I have a lot of respect for anybody that wants to run for public office because it's not easy. And like I said, it's kind of uh, it goes up there with refereeing. It's. it's, it's it's a needed job, just not. It's a thankless job, you know. I think, it, right. un- unfortunately, uh, you know, the people that step up and want to do stuff for the community and and you know, mm-hmm. kind of take on a leadership role, typically are the ones that get thrown stuff at, which is you know, yeah. ironic because they're the ones helping the most people or trying to help more people mm-hmm. than sit around and be keyboard warriors or whatever it might be. Yeah. So, uh, well, hey, Tom, that's pretty cool. Yeah. If nothing else, it's an experience. I think. I heard recently they said either uh, you win or you fail, and if, if you fail, it's a good story. So right, um, you know what I mean. Get, but I'm gonna win though. That's I, the bottom line. Uh, you told me that you're a winner. That's what you're good at. Yeah. So. Well, people that are you know, if you're listening to this, I need your vote, right? Because there's some good people I heard that are running, and uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna give them my best shot and see what happens. Yeah. That's all. And I know I hey. would do a good job. I know I would. I, I'm not a politician, like I said. I'm not, and I'm not. That's not a, you know, I'm not putting down politicians, but what I am, I, I listen to people, I'm honest, and um, I would like to even continue a blog once a week for the, uh, for anyone that wants to have questions or, or whatever, you know, I'll yeah. listen to everyone. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm retired now. <laughs> so, I was going to say that you'll be, uh, you'll be, uh, Thrown right into it again, back to yeah. back to every day. But wait till Neil Fassett finds out. I haven't even told him. I haven't yet. told Neil. Well, you should give, get him on the phone before uh, this goes live. No, I'm not going. No, let, let, we'll he's, send him the link. We'll send. He's going to say, "Lace, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure? You know, because look what tell, happened last time tell, when you ran for school board, and uh, you know that." Uh, tell Neil he can be the chief of staff. He can just step up. He can be the. Uh, he, he would do all the stuff behind the scenes, campaign fundraiser. He would. He uh, Neil knows enough. He he he's he'll, he'll be fine. He could do that. <laughs> I think it would. I think Plattsburgh would grow with me as mayor. I really do. Um, the ideas that I just uh, gave, it, it's going to bring so much more to our area. I really think that. I mean, we have to sell our area. Yeah, we have to I, sell Plattsburgh. And well, you heard we'll it. See what happens? Yeah. Well, you do I have it, your vote? You heard it here. Well, like I said, I I I like you, and I think I, the only thing is. <laughs> But I always tell people I don't live in the city of Plattsburgh, so I can't vote for you. Okay. Oh, one so last story. I can, I can promote you though. That's that's the thing. It's okay. Like, I can I can promote it out to people, and they can make a decision. I, I I had that question with people for the mayor last time, and I'm like, I actually can't. I had both mayor candidates at last. Uh, well, four years ago. Come on, okay. Chris and uh, um, Scott, Scott BB. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I like I said, long form conversation, very similar. Just asked them some questions, had them expand on stuff, and it was just more. You know, I, yep. I like to have people talk in kind of long form where nothing's hidden. So it's like you can expand on your right. thoughts and ideas and people can make their own judgment. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, people are asking, I'm like, I can't vote. So the, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I like politics. Um, yeah. I'm not really into politics. I'm not a, 
I'm not a very strong advocate one way or the other. I'm kind yep. of pretty moderate, but uh, I do enjoy the concept of politics, and I do like election days, and I like the build up right. to it because it's it's competition. It's like it's yep. it's kind of a cool thing. One last really quick story. Yeah, go my ahead. father, who's from Brooklyn, had no filter on him at all. Okay, <laughs> and uh, he was at the NCO club because he was military. Um, and he fell off the bar stool because he said someone put vodka in his beer. So that he had to go to the hospital because he had small head injuries. They put him in ICU right during election week. So Dan Stewart was running against Clyde Rabideau then. Do you okay. remember them? But Dan's been on the podcast. I don't know Clyde at all, but Dan was great. He was, uh, he was, well, he's, I think he's down in Florida yes. right now. Yeah. Yep. So we did a, a Zoom call. It was, yeah. I, yep. Dan was a lot of fun. So my father was great friends with him. Okay. And, uh, and he knew Clyde well too. So Dan goes and visits my father with an absentee ballot. Yeah. To, to give to him. And I'm in there when he comes and, you know, he says, here's, here's your, you know, vote and everything. So Dan leaves and my father fills it out and he put Clyde. He voted for Clyde. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Has he ever told him that? I told him. I told, I told him. <laughs> Dan actually spoke at my father's um, funeral. He he did the eulogy. Oh, did so, he? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I I don't know Dan well. I Like I said, for about two, two, two and a half hours I spoke to him, but yep. he, I, I enjoyed the conversation and he yeah. was... Uh, very nice guy. Um, well, Tom, we're okay. going to wrap it up yep. there. Um, if anybody, again, I'm going to two plugs now for Tom because we've got a groundbreaking news here. But mm-hmm. Adirondack Coast Basketball Camp, it's adirondackcoastbasketballcamp.com. Yep. Very simple. Um, you know, there's an about page and there's some more information on the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on the camp itself. And, I, you know, it is very well attended and has grown, yep. I think, like a weed. Um, yep. And then you heard it here. What? Not even 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes. um into this the the election campaign for uh tom uh but for city mayor so very cool yep but hey we're gonna wrap it up there okay so 258 tom i appreciate it thank you for coming on thanks for all uh appreciate it you know like i said the involvement that you do and trying to give back to uh the local local youth and and you know maybe even more than that soon soon enough so yes all right episode 258 galen trombley show we're out thank thank you for listening to the galen trombley show Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.